Hola, amor. Hola, cariño. Y bienvenidos a Uy, qué horror, a Latinx horror movie podcast with Johnny and Eileen. I'm Johnny. And I'm Eileen. Hello. Hey, girl. How are you doing? I'm doing great because today is the first day of a new life, a new... <laughs> a new beginning. A new beginning. A fresh start. Yes, yes. A fresh baby. We have our very first guest today. Wow. And uh, the only way that we can roll out the red carpet for this fantastic, beautiful human being is by reading a bio that I Google translated that I found on the internet about her. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> so here we go. Ari won the Rastrio de Voz contest many years ago to be an announcer on the Orbita 105.7 radio station, later renamed Reactor 105.7. Okay. She hosted Sangriento, a program specialized in metal, which is very cool. Yeah. She's a Libra, a dog mom to a cute dog named Kobe. And in a huge shock to both you and I, an enormous Steelers fan, which we were like, what? Okay. What the fuck? Baseball? <laughs> yeah. Not <laughs> basketball? Uh, we're terrible. Rugby? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, senora y senores, please welcome to the main stage, Adi Haggerty. Hey. hey. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. Did you get that from Wikipedia or something like that? Because that I haven't found like most accurate bio or something on my persona. You know, it's like if every time people are telling me like you have to introduce yourself or, or sending us something about yourself, I'm like, uh, okay, I am 38 years old. I'm Mexican. <laughs> I live in Seattle. That's it. <laughs> That's perfect. You just added three extra pieces of information that were not in the bio that I found on the internet <laughs> i liked it i liked it so thank i'm you. very happy to be here thank you for having me i'm excited you have no idea we're so excited to have you dude the first guest could be no one else it had to be you adi it had to be you thank you i think very quickly we need to explain how we know each other like how yeah. we got to know because i think that's important yes yeah there's a past There, we have a past <laughs> and it's not that we've been friends since forever like you and Johnny, but believe it or not, listeners, we got together because murderers. Yeah, <laughs> because of murderers. Yeah. yeah. Murder brought us together. Mm -hmm. So Sonoro had pitched a true crime podcast for Adi and I. I will never forget the meeting, we our little Zoom call that we had when we first met each other because I was like, oh, man, I'm kind of nervous. I'm literally meeting a stranger on the Internet. Like, what the <laughs> hell? Y salió que fue la, gente, la persona más linda en el mundo, just like a sweet baby angel living in Seattle. And like we giggled for like, I think like two hours, right? I, I know. Like we chatted a long time. I know, I know. I thought it was going to be like super awkward and just like a five minute call. Like, okay, well then, because it was just the two of us. Yes, it was you and me. That's it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I remember um, Jasmine set us up 
to get the phone call. She couldn't yeah. be on it. And she was like, no, you're going to love each other. You know how Jasmine is. Like, yeah. You're going to love each other. You're going to get it. You're going to chat for a bit, get to know each other. And then we will set another meeting with the three of us. And, and we we're like, OK, OK. You know? <laughs> but surprisingly, I mean, come on, come on. Come on. Uh, I mean, look at you now. <laughs> Look at us now. <laughs> and so we recorded a couple episodes of like a true crime podcast. And then <laughs> because of the true crime podcast, that's how Uikyoror got signed onto Sonoro, yes. which was very cool. And then eventually the true crime podcast that was only Adi and me added Johnny onto it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it became a, a little uh, podcast three way. But then that. <laughs> Yeah, it's on the back burner. That it's on the shelf. So, yeah. dear listeners, if you want to demand from Sonoro to re- <laughs> release the tapes, release them. Seriously, though, like let's put some good energy toward that murder podcast because we had a good time. We had a great time. It was a good one. But that's our story. The magic of the internet, the wonders mm-hmm. of the pandemic Zoom boost. Like that's. That's what brought us together. Yep. And now we're here and we're thrilled to have you on the show, girl. But also I have to mention that when I met you and you mentioned that you had Uikyoror on going with Johnny, I got into it. Oh. I used to listen to the episodes on YouTube and follow all the the themes and the movies and the conversation about like a genre that sometimes, I mean... I'm a Latina, I'm Mexican, and I do know my Mexican horror movies, but then all of a sudden you don't get involved with them as much as you would like to because you're all immersed in the Hollywood type of shit, you know? Exactly. Yeah, then you tend to forget all the roots of uh, this particular genre that it's so vast, so Mm. big, so full of nationalities. You know, it's very international. A lot of uh, horror movie lovers everywhere. But in Latin America, I think we have like a very good niche about it. I think so, too. Yeah. And it's a great labor what you do, guys. You know, thank you. All of a sudden, if you want to get involved in it, that's your guide. That's like your place to go to Get to know more movies, more directors, more whatever it is, you know, in the Latin American horror genre. So that's pretty awesome. Oh, gracias, Adi. That's so sweet. It's what we thrive. We want the world to have eyes on Latin American horror and whatever we can do to get those eyes, then we'll do it. Mira, we've said it before. We'll say it again. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We're going to watch it. Yes. And it's going to be great. No matter what. Speaking of which, Adi, we do have some questions for you, you know, regarding horror movies. Sure. So I have two questions. And Eileen, if you want to just hop on here, too, with any questions. But I want to know, you are a horror fan, yes? I am a horror fan. Yeah, fully. Uh, yes, full, full, <laughs> full horror fan. So I want to know, like, what's your favorite horror movie? Pero también, what's your favorite Mexican horror movie? Oh God. Okay, so <laughs> I'm gonna say about the Mexican, the Mexican horror movie is like Vacaciones del Terror. <gasps> so we have that on the list. We do. People have asked for that one. Un montón de gente no ha preguntado on Twitter. Sí. Like, a ver, when are you gonna do Vacaciones del Terror? Okay, mm-hmm. okay. We got another stamp of approval there. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that Vacaciones del Terror was kind of, it, it's still a gem. But back then when they used to air it on open TV, like national open TV in Mexico, it would, it would air about like, I don't know, in Channel 4, I believe. 
believe, or Channel 9, and that will be after 9 p.m. Uh-huh. On a weekend. <laughs> and if you will get there to see it, you will have the most horrible nightmares ever, you know? It's like, <laughs> oh, man. Your mom, for a reason, will be like, ya te tienes que ir a dormir, you know? You have to go to bed, turn off the TV. That's not for kids. So ya vete o te va a dar pesadillas. And you'll be like, but mom, it's like, it's Pedrito Fernandez and there's a doll and Tatiana. So, I don't know. It's kind of like a for our generation, we are contemporaries here. Yes, and, yeah. absolutely. Almost 40-year-olds. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that for a lot of people out there, uh, Vacaciones del Terror was something really, really big when they get to see it. Yeah. Uh, it's laughable, sure. of course. Now, if you see it nowadays, it's something like you will be like, oh, my God, that's so funny. But back then it could give you the nightmares. Those are usually like full of practical stuff and like yes. that you can see the heart mm -hmm. behind the horror. Yes. And you're just like, yeah, give me this stuff. It's great. It was a great addition. I don't know. I have it there with amongst others, but I will say that that's one of the, the main ones that marked my childhood. Amazing. But that's on the on the Mexican side and mm -hmm. on the international American side. I can tell that one of my big and favorite movies is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, my God, Adi. You're in the perfect company for oh that my answer. <laughs> sí, o Pesadillas en la Calle del Terror. Wow, that's the <laughs> Spanish title. Pesadillas en la Calle del uh -huh. Terror. Imaginate. Wow. I never knew that. Yep, that's how we call it. Listen, Adi, out of all the slashers, and I'm talking Michael Myers, Jason, Leatherface. Oh, <laughs> Freddy is my top. I love the entire series, even the ones that are considered to be pieces of shit. I'm like, I don't fucking care. I'll watch it over and over and over. I love it so much. I'm a fan as well of the entire saga. At some point, I got to meet uh, Robert Englund <gasps> because he was visiting Mexico for a horror convention. Dude. And he, he was just not only there to give a lecture or something, a speech about uh, like his year in acting and whatnot, but he was just there to sign autographs. What a cool dude. You could buy a, a ticket for an autograph for a hundred pesos. Like, uh, I believe it's not even like 20 bucks. Holy oh my shit. God. And I remember that I brought my entire box set of Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> for him to sign it. Hell and yeah. I do have a picture with him. Oh, my oh God. My God. Uh, I'm going to have to find it and I will send it to both of you. Send it to us so we can put it at our TBT. Yeah. We always yeah. put a TBT. So we'll put <laughs> that yeah. shit, bro. That's kind of like my highlight moments of life. Meeting one of my heroes. Horror heroes. Yeah. <laughs> the Nightmares quote-unquote nightmares that I used to have with Robert Englund, they were nightmares. Th those were like awesome, awesome dreams, you know? Yeah. They're dreams. <laughs> they were dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because at some point I was dreaming that Freddy Krueger was my father and oh my he was God. just joining wow. me in the Halloween contest and whatnot. So, yeah, I'm Holy a big fan shit. of the slashers, but uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is my all-time favorite. Yes. Amazing. Oh That's a great, great answer. Great answer, I was going to say. <laughs> Holy shit. On that note, now that we're steeped in horror uh, feelings and memories and emotions, we, um, we're we going to go into the content that this podcast is made of, which is Latino 
people and um <laughs> we gave you a couple options and uh we landed on a good old fave of one mm-hmm. of the tops of Uikyorror, the dude who is el maestro, el hombre de los monstruos, Guillermo del Toro. And we're doing a not so popular film of his, <laughs> if you will. Today we're covering Mimic, which you know, came out in 1997. And apparently Johnny was obsessed with it when he was growing up. Dude. Okay, so we chatted about this a little bit briefly before recording. And first of all, this is the 25th anniversary of this movie, if my math is not incorrect, which oftentimes it is. So 25th (laughs) anniversary of this movie. So I would have been like 13 when this movie came out around that age. And I fucking loved it so much and then cut to a few days ago when i was like yes adi picked mimic because i'm gonna say this is an adi choice like she picked this one (laughs) yeah she picked it and and i was like oh my god i can't fucking wait to rewatch this movie and i watched it and i was like oh yeah (laughs) no pregunta pregunta adi had you seen this one before no i've seen it before plenty of times i remember i was obsessed with it when it came out um Uh, we were in in middle school, well, secundaria, mm-hmm. uh, we were kind of like the same age. And yeah. I remember back then at the same time, I don't know if it was the previous year or the same year that uh, Joe's Apartment came out. Oh, my God. I loved Joe's okay, Apartment, well. dude. Wow. <laughs> Joe's apartment is not horror, but... With the bugs! Holy shit! It's cockroaches! (laughs) If you hate cockroaches or... I mean, I understand that there's some serious phobia. uh, Yeah, oh, people freak out. Yeah, people will freak out with cockroaches as they do with rats or with air or water or whatever. Bugs in general, (laughs) but cockroaches was kind of a thing. Yeah, singing and dancing, Joe's apartment, cockroaches. I loved it. Oh, I'm getting a wave of memory right now. (laughs) Well, basically, the cockroaches were Joe's friend. Yeah. Yeah. And they were living there in his apartment and they would be cute. After that came out and then Mimic showed up, I was like, you know what? I have to respect these motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. And then, I don't know if it was kind of like the same year when the first Men in Black came out. It was the same year. Oh, my God. And the yes. big bug guy. No, the big bug guy. But then there's this scene with Will Smith when he's about to just crush the cockroach. And he stops. And then he removes his feet on top of the cockroach. And the cockroach was like, oh, thank you, man, or uh-huh. something like that. And I was like, man, this is kind of like a big deal. Cockroaches, it's happening. There's yeah. something yeah. in that sort of message. So I started just respecting them. That's so funny. I'd never thought of it that, like, in the late 90s, there was yeah. this... Bug renaissance. Bug yeah. renaissance. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Hilarious. Even the same year where Mimic came out, the the storm space troopers, storm troopers. Holy shit! Starship troopers. Starship troopers. Yeah. There you go. And that was like a kind of a like box of the space or something like that. But yeah, 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 yeah. Space mantis or something like this. There was like a bug explosion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. For me, this was my first time seeing Mimic ever. But the memory I have of when it came out was I remember in the trailer that I saw because I was living in Brazil at the time, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
the trailer I saw was Mira Sorvino in the big suit, like in the the space suit. Uh-huh. Yeah. And literally until I saw this movie last week, I always thought it was a space movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's amazing. The only thing I remembered was that hazmat suit and everything dark around her. I was like, oh, it's about a little thing spaceship. It's a fucking yeah. space. <laughs> well, it's got very sci-fi alien feels. Oh, well, we'll get to that alien feel. All right. Let's talk about Mimic. I'm so fucking excited to talk about this This is going to be so fun. This is going to be great. <laughs> so usually we have Johnny or I reading the synopsis, but let's invite our guest to uh, tell us what this film is going to be all about, Adi. Yes, please. <laughs> well, the synopsis is, three years ago, entomologist Dr. Susan Tyler genetically created an insect to kill cockroaches carrying a virulent disease. Now the insects are out to destroy the only predator, mankind. <laughs> ah, oh my okay. goodness. All right, let's get into this. So this is Mimic USA 1997. It is based on the short story Mimic by Donald A. Walheim, which apparently this story was originally published in fucking 1942. Oh, wow. I mean, terrifying, I'm sure back then. Yeah, ages ago. It was written by Matthew Robbins and GDT and directed by Guillermo del Toro. You ready? We ready? Ready! Yes! All right, let's go. So we open with very seven-esque credits of Very bugs. much seven. Oh my gosh, so seven. Lots of bugs, creepy pictures of kids, and we see a bunch of like newspaper headlines which read, Epidemic spreads in New York City. Strickler's death toll reaches 1,000, desperate search for a cure, and huge cockroach. So, bugs. I mean, very topical for our day and age now. Uh, (laughs) Back in the day, I was like, what? Who cares? An epidemic? Yeah, pandemic? What the hell? But then watching it now, I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So, we get a shot of a very snowy New York City, and we hear a man's voice say, Strickler's was diagnosed two years ago. We're no better off now. So, this voice belongs to a man named Peter, who is leading Dr. Susan Tyler, played by none other than Mira Sorvino, Mm. through a long row of hospital beds, and each bed is covered with this white canopy. And Peter continues... Most of these kids won't make it. So each of these like fucking rows and rows of beds have a sick kid. And they show these little kids like, horrible, horrible. Gasping for breath. So Susan goes up to a bed. She pulls back the sheet. We see a young girl there just like blue, gasping for air. Susan sheds a single Demi Moore tear. And Peter says to her, (laughs) we need your help. We then cut to Susan. This is that shot that you saw in the preview. This is the space. This yeah. is weird space. <laughs> Susan is in like a full hazmat suit. She goes into a dark, sealed off sewer tunnel, and she's carrying a metal case that looked to me like the vessel in Hudson Yard. Oh, my God. Yes, dude. Almost like a beehive. Yep. 
And so we see in this sewer tunnel, it's just fucking crawling with roaches. So Susan puts the case down. She opens it, releasing these big bugs into the sewer tunnel. And these big bugs begin to secrete this gross, foamy substance, which the roaches, they start to like freak out and they come up to the foam and they either start to like drink it or eat it. No sé. <laughs> and then it's just a little while later, Susan and Peter are peering into this sewer tunnel and now it's now just filled with dead roaches. Ooh. Que asco. Que, que asco. Instead of bed of roses, bed of roaches. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely bed of roaches. So we then cut to a press conference and Peter's on the mic and he says, Strickler's threatened to wipe out an entire generation of children. We at the CDC had to contain it before it spread off the island. So we went after the carrier, the common cockroach. And then Susan comes up. She takes the mic and she explains that with the aid of genetics labs, we combined termite and mantid DNA to create a biological counter agent. She holds up a jar with this big ass bug in it and she says, we call it the Judas breed. And once in contact with the Judas's secretions, the cockroaches were infected <laughs> with an enzyme, which caused their metabolisms to go into overdrive. So every member of the nest starved to death. Okay, first red flag. No me llames la mierda Judas, porque mira, todos los católicos saben. That thing's going to turn on you. Yes, Judas is a traitor. No jodas, me vas a dar el nombre del traitor, bro. No. Por favor, are you kidding me? That's like the, the magic of Guillermo del Toro, because being yeah. Mexican, you know that he loves his creepy religious imagery, yeah. you know? Yes. So he had to put it in mm -hmm. the script. So how am I going to name this book Judas? Yeah. Honestly, it's great. Poetic. Yeah, it's perfect foreshadowing for what yeah. we're about to go into. Oh, yeah. Also, please don't be mixing mantids and termites and shit like that. Are Bro. you kidding me? <laughs> Second red flag. You're gonna fuck with DNA, dude? Do not fuck with the DNA. Jurassic Park showed us already. Hello. It literally came out. Four years ago. Pay attention. B.D. Wong is technically <laughs> a fucking villain, bro. <laughs> totally. So now we are at Susan and Peter's apartment. Apparently they are married now because there is nothing more romantic than <laughs> bugs and viruses that murder small children. Yes, they're bringing people together. So Peter is watching Susan's speech on TV, like the press conference. And meanwhile, Susan is in the bathroom preparing a bath and she seems kind of like unsure. So Peter comes into the bathroom and she turns to him and she says, we don't even know what the impact is of what we did. And I wrote here, really? Girl! <laughs> you didn't think this through. What, what are we doing? <laughs> number three. We are in red flag number three and we are, what, five minutes into this fucking movie? As I was like reflecting on this idea when she's like, we don't even know what the impact is of what we did. It actually made me think of now. Like, listen, when the vaccine came out for coronavirus, I was like, put that shit in my arm now. But we do yeah. have to realize that it was an emergency. It wasn't yeah. even like mm -hmm. I don't even think it was fully approved at the time. It was like, this is an emergency. So we just need to get this done. So yeah. I was like, OK, I can suspend belief that they're like kids are dying. 
we need to fucking do something about it now, you know? So I was like, okay, it's fine. Yeah. Anyways, so we're back in this bathroom and, you know, she's like, what did we do? But Peter, I have to mention this because Eileen, I was like, I need to ask Eileen about this because Peter- I wrote it down, go for it. (laughs) Peter is like, no, whatever. And he distracts her by pulling her into the, they're both clothed. He pulls her into this full- bathtub with their clothes on (laughs) and they're just talking about how they might have kids one day and I was like Eileen how are we feeling how are we feeling are we okay here are my (laughs) issues with this moment okay do not get my fucking clothes wet in the tub hey I hate wet clothes no joda me pone al borde de suicidio when I see somebody step out of a bath and put on a robe like I'm just like that's what are you fucking doing? So, A, that's wrong. <laughs> B, los dos se meten en la tina, and the water overflows. Oh and I God. was like, how? Your downstairs neighbors. Dare you. Not even your downstairs neighbors. <laughs> I'm going to have to step out and walk on wetness? Eat a dick. No, this is not. I do not know. do this to my bathroom, you motherfucker. <laughs> so I was already like, this, I, literally what I wrote, this splashing in the tub? No. <laughs> oh, I knew it. I think it's important to just establish here. Let's talk about this briefly is that, you know, this movie was sliced and diced like it was not the final product that GDT wanted. Yeah. But when mm-hmm. he released the I believe he released the director's cut in like 2011 around there. They talk about like having a kid here, which I'm not going to discuss anymore in my notes because I don't think it really matters. But this was a thing that I think GDT really wanted to flesh out, but mm-hmm. he wasn't really given the opportunity. I have not seen the uncut version of this film, but I think that that is more of a thing in it. Pretty sure Addy did. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my God. Yeah, I did. It does show the discussion of having a kid and how they're struggling on having kids. So um, on the side notes, I read that Guillermo del Toro was trying to make this um okay it's a couple that cannot have kids anymore so probably they're gonna end up like um adopting mm. uh at some point and the character of Chewy which you will talk about in yeah. in a minute mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. um instead of being a white kid it was gonna be a black kid and Guillermo mm. del Toro was trying just to converge like bring the family the interracial family together in 1997 but what the Miramax owners told him is like no I don't think society is ready for that yet oh that's fucked and they banned him totally so Guillermo del Toro I have to say um he wasn't very happy with the first cut that like the the core people did oh no he disavowed this for him he was like that's not my movie anymore Mm -hmm. also there is a very brief moment where she has a pregnancy test in the movie and it's never talked about again it's like a swift moment. I think it's important to mention that it does seem that Del Toro wanted to kind of add this important story, at least important to him, pregnancy, adoption, into this about this couple, but it is not fleshed out in the version I saw. That was snipped. So we cut to three years later. We're on top of a building, it's pouring rain, and we see a bleeding, scared priest come rushing through a door. He locks it behind him. Something is chasing him. So the priest runs to the building edge. He peers over. It's a ways down, but just below him, there's a scaffold in front of a big neon crucifix that says, Jesus saves. Another GDT thing that I think... He loves? Like the Judas breed, Jesus saves. 
He loves a cross, a neon cross. He loves people running on a, a rooftop in the rain. Porque en Crono fue la misma cosa. He loves a big neon sign somewhere that says something important. And if it's Catholic imagery, even better. So yeah. totally. GDT staples. Yeah. But it's like, it's clearly like a, a religious motif that, again, isn't fully fleshed out in this movie, unfortunately. So... This thing behind this bleeding priest bashes through the door, so the priest makes a jump for it onto the scaffolding. He looks back up onto the roof, and we see at least what looked like, to me, like a man in a dark coat watching him. Like a big trench coat. Yeah. And so the priest, unfortunately, slips off the scaffold. He falls to his death, smashing his head against a bucket of paint. And meanwhile, in a nearby apartment, we meet Chewy, the, the boy that you mentioned. He's just this little boy. He's humming quietly to himself when he peers over and he sees this dead priest and he couldn't give half a shit. Less of a fuck. <laughs> if anything, he's like, I know what I want to see in that dead body. His shoes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This is what I wrote. I was like, couldn't give a shit except for the size and make of the priest's shoes, which somehow he knows. So right here, this isn't ever quite explained, but this child seems to be on the spectrum. I'm not an expert in this thing, but the child is on the spectrum. I thought about this on my second watch of the movie. I was like, technically, Chewie would have been in the height of the stickler disease moment. Mm, absolutely. And so I wonder if maybe like there's some after effects of the stickler disease in children and or. <gasps> totally didn't think about like if he was a survivor of Stricklers. Of Sticklers. Stricklers, whatever it's called. Yeah, it oh, makes sense. I like that. Wow. Hmm, interesting take. So. We see that thing in the dark coat, you know, quote unquote, now appear over the dead priest and it begins to click like a very like insect like click. Clicky clacks. And it be <laughs> the clickety clack. Just a <laughs> tap dance. So as this thing is dragging the priest's body away and it's disgusting because it like crushes the priest's ribs. Bro, he penny wises this yes. motherfucker's ass. <laughs> he crushes that body into the subway, into the sewer. It's so gross. Pero, Fucked. <laughs> Pero Chewy, he grabs two spoons and he places them back to back. And he's like, clickety clack and clack. He mimics the clicking sounds with the spoons and he says, funny shoes. Now, to clarify, because I'm also going to kind of just gloss over some of this, this is Manny's. Nephew? Grandson? Son? I'm not quite sure. What the relationship of Manny and, yeah. and uh, Chewy is. Yeah, we haven't met Manny yet, but this this man, he is, you know, the, the caretaker of Chewy, and he is played by Giancarlo Giannini. We'll meet him later. He's a shoe shiner who works at the Delancey Street subway station. So it's the next day, and we meet Josh, played by a young Josh Brolin. Baby Josh! Listen, he is, I think he's like kind of a dick, isn't he? But this guy is so handsome. God damn. So Josh greets Peter at the crime scene, basically where the priest fell and was dragged away because the cops didn't find the body clearly because it was dragged away and, you know, whatever happened to it. Pero they saw like the broken scaffolding. They found, you know, the spatter of paint and they discovered a group of 
people infected with yellow fever hiding in an abandoned church that was run by Reverend Ping, this priest that was killed. Yo no entendí esto, brother. No, it was kind of like a, he was smuggling people to keep them there uh, as like, yes, yeah, slaves and oh. working oh. for the minimum. You know that there's a point where they show a garment that says uh, made in America. They uh -huh. were just stitching and doing clothes for some sort of um, company in the United States, but they were working illegally, so they couldn't be, well, seen outside. So this priest, I guess he was smuggling people and keeping them in the worst conditions ever. And this was in the director's cut? Yeah, it was like an entire facade. At first, when the priest died, wow. I felt really bad for him. That's what I, I felt bad. I yeah, because it's an old man, you know, and it's a priest. But then all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. you see that he's part of a like like a group of people that are exploiting other poor souls that wow. would just want to keep, uh, I don't know, have a better life in the United States. And then all of a sudden... Tan enfermo. Yeah, they're sick oh and they're in deplorable uh, conditions. So you said like after that, after you see all that explanations, like, OK, you did deserve to die. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> How dare you, wow. Harvey Weinstein, make me like the priest? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. OK, well, wow. that explains a lot because I wrote in my notes here. Por qué? Porque, why ¿Por are qué? these people here? Whatever. <laughs> bueno, pues. Okay, so apparently these people had um, yellow fever, and mm. Josh then shows Peter an upside down dump of shit <laughs> on the ceiling. Poop on the ceiling, bro. I okay. <laughs> which is okay, hold on. Which is funny because it brings you to the memories. I don't know if you used to play with the glue sticks when you were in, in elementary school and then drop them up to the ceiling and see and yeah. see for how long they will get stick up there. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. I I thought about somebody like saying, like, oh, I pooped in my hand. Okay, I'm gonna just throw it up in the ceiling and see for oh how long God. it's gonna stay there. Dude, for me the image, I picture like a gymnast just being like, Well, I'm up here upside down. Just holding myself up. Might as well just take a shit on the ceiling. You guys uh, have a vivid imagination. I, I literally I was just like, stop touching the shit on the ceiling. Gross. <laughs> anyway, so they take a sample of this upside down shit. And Peter <laughs> notices that the subway is right underneath them. So he's like, board up every exit. Because if this leads to the subway, I don't want that fever to spread. And right here, I thought, uh-oh. Uh-oh. We cut to Susan entering the Museum of Natural History where she meets up with her friend Remy. And as they're talking about shitty guys and date rape, two kids oh. who I called Hat and, and Dientes. Dientes. <laughs> Brother, estos dientes, hijo de la gran puta. Yo dije, a la gran puta este chavalo con los dientes más grandes que he visto en mi vida. He's adorable, but this, I mean, I was pretty bucktooth as a kid. This guy, he's he. this kid has me beat. So this is Hat Bro. and Dientes. So they come up to... La Susan, and they have a taped up cereal box, and they're like, hey, you the bug lady, right? The bug lady, I love that. <laughs> so Susan takes the kids to her office, and when Dientes asks her why she's so into bugs, she shows him a glass case with a termite colony in it. 
You know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to have like a, like an ant colony just to see totally. how everything worked. Then I thought of the mess that what happens if one day these all shatters or I break it by accident Bro, and all totally. the, the ants are going to die or all the, the ants are going to be killed by my mom because she will freak out and shit like that. And this termite case is huge. huge. The it's colony huge. is fucking huge yeah mm-hmm. so susan mm-hmm. explains she says the soldier termites battle to, to the death to protect the colony however most insects won't kill unless their territory is invaded they just stun their prey take them deep into the colony and later eat them alive important mm-hmm. yep. they're brutal oh yeah that's fucked she then shows him she says the big enchilada, the nest. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And she explains that there is only one fertile male, the king, in the nest. Yes. And then Hat comes up and he's all, whatever peels your banana, lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who wrote that line? Who wrote it? Anyway, so they tell her that they have this weird bug they found in the subway. They have that in the cereal box. So she gives them 10 bucks and off they go. It's later on. And Susan, she's now alone. She opens the taped up cereal box. She grabs some forceps and she pulls out a big fucking bug. Yo, it's gnarly. And she's like, you're just a baby. When she said that, I was like, excuse me? This thing is the size of your face. That is a chihuahua, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I love the tongs that she uses to grab it. You know, it's like... I mean, as an as a bug lady, very scientific of her uh-huh. just to grab the tongs and say like, yeah, of course, you're not going to grab that thing with your bare hands. Oh, right? hell no. Uh, hell no. But literally, she grabs it with forceps and then she's like, she then reaches to touch the fucking bug and it bites the shit out of her. I'm going to bet you. I remember as a kid, this scared the shit out of me when it bit her. <laughs> I, sp- I have like a vivid memory of that. So she pulls this bug that's biting her off of her hand and she pins it to a board. Like she takes a needle, pins it to this board. And so this writhing pinned bug starts to secrete that same foamy substance that Mm -hmm. we saw at the top in the sewer. So Mm. she takes a she takes a pH sample. She tests it. And very quickly in the alley right outside her office in the rain, we see like that man thing in the dark trench coat watching her. And as she's testing the foam, she listens to old recordings of her studies. And she in, in the recordings, we hear her say, the females are sterile. There is a life expectancy of 120 to 180 days. So basically what we're gathering here is that the Judas breed was supposed to die out, but they seem to be breeding somehow. Mm-hmm. Or still alive when she thought they would have been all dead. Yeah, They're supposed mm-hmm. to be dead. And then meanwhile, that man thing opens the window and comes into this office. And this is the first like real kind of glimpse we get of its face. And it's horrible. horrible. It honestly gives me kind of like Freddy Krueger vibes, like yeah. very, very subtle Freddy Krueger vibes. It's deformed with, I don't know, like with a lot of uh, bumps. Yes. It's not a perfect symmetrical face. You cannot even see hair or you cannot even see the eyes, you know? It's just darkness and And indentations and like... It's a a suggestion of a face. Of a face, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You can tell it's a face, but it's not exactly a face. So that makes it even creepier. I don't know you guys, but when the... 
bog bites her hand, uh-huh. bites her hand. Uh, she nails the bog yeah. onto a mm-hmm. table, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This is kind of like the why I never, as a kid, I don't know, went into studying more bugs and being oh. an entomologist because the part of studying them, you know that you have to kill them and you have to nail them on a yeah. board just to study them and see their parts and whatnot. So that's totally. why I stay away from that because I thought they, they were in pain all the time. Sure. So... When she does that and the bug starts screeching yeah. and mm-hmm. then the man in the coat outside hears the, the, the cry for help of this little creature, you know that that thing, that big thing is going to come in yeah. and get it. He yes. wants to protect the little thing. That yeah. is such a good observation, Addy, because I honestly had a question about this later on, but you literally just answered it. And also, I completely relate to you with like the bug thing, like the pin and hearing it screeching horrible. Like, I cannot kill bugs. I lit- literally mm-hmm. the other day, I got a cat. So like we usually we usually don't have roaches and things. But the yeah. other day I woke up, I go into the kitchen and there was a big fucking cockroach. Did I step on it? No. Did I smash no. it with a newspaper? No. I grabbed a piece of paper and I took it outside. I was like, I can't yeah. kill you. I can't. I just can't do it. I can't do it. I am the odd man out here. I'll kill those motherfuckers, bro. Mi papa en Brasil, cuando vivíamos en Brasil, he still does, pero he... If there was a cockroach in the fucking anywhere in the house, if he was barefoot, he would <gasps> smash that fucking thing with his foot. No. Oh, no. No. My God. So back in Susan's office, she compares the pH test she just took with an old sample from her records and they fucking match. So this mm-hmm. is the Judas breed. And then all of a sudden, that man thing smashes a lamp. And this is where my question was. I was like, did he grab the bug? And I think you're right, Adi. He grabbed that bug. He took it away. All my notes, every all the bugs, I call them Judas. I'm like, mira, ahí viene yeah. el Judas. Aquí está el Judas. Y bienvenido el Judas. <laughs> Here is Judas. Judas, Judas, ha, ha, uh-huh, Judas. Judas. <laughs> Lady Gaga. Okay, so Susan, of course, is like, what the fuck? Because there's a smash. So she begins to search for the bug on the floor, and she hears that clicking noise. So she stands up, and this motherfucker is on pocket of terror. the ceiling. In a pocket of terror on the ceiling, and then whoosh, it flies out the window. We cut to the Delancey Street subway station, where Peter, Susan, and Remy are talking to the Dientes. <laughs> Fucking dientes. The dientes and hat, (laughs) which are the kids. And they're asking where they found that big ass bug. And just so we know, nearby we see Manny, Giancarlo Giannini, shining Uh shoes. And Chewie is sitting nearby making little toys out of wire. So... Just an interesting that it, thing that is established here is that like these are like different groups of people that will yeah. all eventually converge. Just to make a note here, uh, Manny is shining the shoes of mm-hmm. someone that also will be involved. Yes, yes, who is also about to converge with the with all these groups <laughs> are coming together. Yeah. So Hat and Peter are trying to unlock this door where apparently the kids found the bug in the first place and Susan shows Dientes a picture of an uthika which is an egg case which is disgusting disgusting it's like a giant pupa 
It, it's yes. definitely a giant pupa. Pupa? Pupa. Pupa. A pupa. A pupa. It looks like poop, so it's a pupa. <laughs> so much poop in this movie. <laughs> there is. There is. There's a lot of poop. If, listen, it's the New York City subway, baby. There's girl, poop all over that motherfucker. Girl. Oof. Damn. Disgusting. So Susan is like, Dientes, have you seen one of these Uthikas? <laughs> he hasn't, pero he's interested because he's like, if I found one, would there be money in it for me? Important mm-hmm. for later. <laughs> so finally, Peter and Hat are able to unlock the door and Remy and the kids leave. So Susan and Peter go into this locked room to look for more bugs. And it seems to me at least to be like an abandoned old locker room or like showers yep. for subway workers you know they don't yeah, use it like anymore. an old bathroom of some yeah. sort mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. for the workers and as they're looking around susan opens a locker she spills a bunch of amber beads from a necklace onto the floor and they roll behind a locker and you can hear them like dropping so you can tell there's an opening back there and it goes deep ding dang dong <laughs> Ding, dang, dong. Ding, dang, dong. <laughs> deep down, dong. So, so Peter reaches in to see how deep the opening goes, and Lundo he drops his flashlight. So Susan tries to grab the flashlight, and when she touches the flashlight, we get a brief flash of a goopy ass face in this hole, like a creepy motherfucking Judas face, and this thing is about to bite her. Why are people sticking their hands in places that they don't know? Especialmente oh, no. en el fucking subway, dude. Sin los pinches guantes. Nada. Like, okay, you know what? One one of the the questions that you might ask later for me after we end up reviewing the movie and whatnot is like, <laughs> how did it make you feel? Did it make you feel like scared and whatnot? Mm-hmm. You know what? More anxious yes. about like sure. right now, you know, after a pandemic and all the PPE that we used to uh, used in the past two years and the masks and the gloves and the sanitizer yeah. and whatnot. Then all of a sudden you see these people crawling in and uh, like on the ground that hasn't of the been subway. Used. Yeah. yeah. And in the subway, put like placing where gooey things are. Come on. Do, yeah. You just don't Ew. go down there with your clothes without using so something gross. else, you know? Sí. It's gross. Y, espe- y especialmente que los dos estos, el Peter and Susan, are both <laughs> doctors of some kind. Like, he's a fucking CDC dude. Hello. And she's an entomologist, brother. Porque la- solo echense una fucking guante so that we can touch these Ponte weird things mascara, without getting a disease. You disgusting. So this thing is about to to bite her ungloved hand, but she pulls her (laughs) hand out as Officer Leonard enters the room. Now, this is the dude that Manny was shining his shoes shined. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a cop. And just by the way, this man is played by Charles S. Dutton, who for me is always Alien 3. Love him. He's Mm -hmm. great. Mm-hmm. So basically, they, they go back into the Delancey Street station and Peter and Officer Leonard are real heated. They're all like comparing dick sizes and arguing Relax. and being super dismissive of Susan, like really dismissive of her. Yeah. Anyway, so Officer Leonard says, come back with a permit and we can talk. So Peter and Susan leave. We're in the dark subway tunnels with Hat and Dientes and they're looking for Uthikas because they want to make some money. Dientes steps on some disgusting slime and nearby they find a goopy uthika attached to a pole. This fucking thing sounds like it's purring. It sounds like it's It's, purring. 
It's literally like. Yeah. <laughs> Disgusting. There's a kitty Fuck in that there. thing. <laughs> so, so Dientes starts to cut away at the slime that's holding the egg case to the pole, and then they hear clicking nearby. Uh oh. Uh oh. So they, they go to they go to check it out, and they see a figure standing in the dark. This is a goddamn nightmare and this is Blair. also cool because a subway train starts to go by and so they're like lit up dark lit up dark lit up dark very uh-huh. very, very yep. cool shot here and they shine their flashlight on the figure and we see that it's holding a half-eaten dog and dientes freaks out so he starts to back up, but he trips on some wire, which tangles up around his feet so he can't run. Then Hat is pierced through the chest, like literally by a pincer, lifted into the air by this huge winged insect that's just tearing this kid to pieces. And poor Dientes is just watching and screaming. Can you imagine? No. You're like an 11-year-old kid, and you see your best friend fucking get legit torn to shreds by a fucking ginormous insect. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, shit. So the creature tosses poor dead hat aside and then it pounces on Dientes and it's just stabbing him and ripping him apart with these pincers. Like, look, GDT came in here and he was like, I'm killing these kids. I didn't remember these, uh, these scene, to be honest. And Mm -hmm. uh, just to... I don't know. It's it's easier just to seeing scenes where adults get killed, but not kids. And in this case, nobody gave a damn. You know, it's really funny, Ari, that we've discovered doing the podcast is que las películas de horror latinas, mm-hmm. they have no qualms to kill fucking kids. Yeah. They'll kill a kid left and right. Mm-hmm. Pero watching this, I was genuinely shocked that we saw these two kids get murdered i was like yeah mm-hmm. porque guillermo del toro loves having a magical child who is yep. obviously chewy chewy is our magical yep. child of the film mm. pero me me sorprendió bastante that he was like here's a couple kid murders i was like okay yeah yeah, yeah, that's brutal. And they're they're like tough kids, but they're not bad kids. No, and they're still kids. They're little yeah. babies. <laughs> like, oh my god, I'm an my asshole. dude's teeth. He hasn't grown his face around his teeth yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh man, por los dos. At some point, I thought uh, the giant bug, the Judas bug, uh, wasn't going to kill them. I thought, like, okay, just stop messing with my poopa here. Yeah, and I'll leave my baby yeah. alone. To me, I think this was, you know, defensive in, of course, but like it was protective of that egg case. That's yes. like right. why it's coming for these four poor babies. Mm-hmm. Okay, so poor hat and dientes are dead. R.I.P. We're back at Chewie and Manny's apartment, and Chewie is alone when he begins to hear clicking coming from the church across the dark alley, like the church where those people were, the yellow fever church, all that. So this little fool and his spoons sneak out onto the fire escape, down into the dark alley, and into this creepy-ass church, and he's just walking among the dark pews and statues of saints wrapped in plastic. It's very scary when he starts to hear... those plastic statues, dude. (laughs) Los odio. Like human size. See, anytime there's some sort of, like, 
an abandoned church or place where they have like humongous statues. It's mm-hmm. either a sheet or a plastic thing. And every time you're like, who's coming to life? Yeah. Who's going to start moving behind <laughs> that fucking tarp, you piece of shit? Yes. <laughs> no. So he starts to hear the clicking again, and he begins to mimic the, the sounds with this spoon. I'm just like picturing like a folk band. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the special effects. Every time we click and clack, we're gonna ask the, oh, the our our foley artist Addie yeah. Haggerty. She's gonna bust yeah, yeah. out the spoons when we need it. <laughs> okay, so friggin' Chewie is doing his spoon thing, and then two two Judases appear. And they sneak up closer and closer, clickety-clack, clickety-clack, and they swoop him up and they take him away. Okay, so it's the next day. Remy calls Susan and she tells her to meet her at the water filtration plant. It's important. Before Susan can leave, though, Peter reminds her that they have to meet at the Delancey Street station later because they got the permit. Mm -hmm. So we cut to the water filtration plant where we... (laughs) Meet a young baby Norman Reedus, adorable Norman Reedus. Oh my god, so cute! Just a little bitty baby. <laughs> oh my god, I was like, look at that sweet baby, so young baby Norman Reedus, sweet adorable baby. He pulls out a tray from a fridge containing something covered in plastic that he fished out of the water from this filtration plant. He uncovers it. And reveals a huge bug. Like when we were talking Chihuahua sized, sized before, now we're talking. This is a oh, no. Malamute. This is a St. Bernard, dude. This is a big <laughs> motherfucking bug. It's yeah. big. Even he says that, is this a lobster? <laughs> it's a <laughs> lobster, right? <laughs> this ain't no motherfucking lobster, oh dude. Oh my God. <laughs> Convinced to, it's a lobster, right? This is a fucking lobster, right? No, dude. Yeah, Norman, it's a lobster. Okay, so (laughs) we're back at Manny's apartment, and he discovers that Chewie is gone. So, claro, of of course, he calls the cops to report the missing kid, but is told nothing can be done for 48 hours. So he picks up one of Chewie's wire toys that Chewie has been making, you know, throughout this movie, and this toy looks like a bug. And he realizes, Mm -hmm. uh uh-oh, Mr. Funny Shoes. And like, let's be clear here. I also didn't mention this, but throughout the film, Manny has told Chewie, don't go into that fucking church across the street. And Chewie has also been like just transfixed by the church across the street. And he's always being like Funny Shoes, Mr. Funny Shoes. So basically, Manny's put it together. He's like, oh, fuck. He went into that church. So Manny gets up. He goes across the street. And he tries to get into the church, but he can't. So he sneaks around the back. He finds a metal grate that he pulls open and he enters the sewers under the church. Manny, que huevos, Manny. Sí, brother. Super ballsy. Like every character that is trying to discover something or to dig into something, they go too far. You know, yes. like mm. they are getting into places that you normally knew that you wouldn't get in there. It's like, no, I will leave it to somebody else. You know, exactly. Like, no, thank you. The way it is set up, though, like with him calling the cops, he's basically like, I don't have an option. So we're back at the subway station, the abandoned locker room in the subway station. And Peter now has his permit. And now Josh is there with Officer Leonard. They move a locker and they find like a huge 
Candyman style hole behind it. You know what I mean? Like from Candyman, like just like a huge hole in Mm -hmm. the wall. So the three of them crawl into the Mm -hmm. hole and begin to walk deeper into the subway tunnel system, which apparently goes, Officer Leonard says, it goes seven stories down. This is nuts to me. I believe it. Huge. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when I lived in New York, like like specifically like 42nd Street subway station, like just like the endless escalators down, down, See? down. Yeah. But it's kind of like a, a thing of ancient cities, you know, and of like yeah. cities with a lot of history behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you keep thinking like, how deep can these go? You know, like totally. Yeah. For example, here in Seattle, they say they have tours just to go to the catacombs of Seattle. Cool. I didn't oh, even know that. that they existed here. Yeah. So it's it's freaky, you know, to imagine that there there might be an ancient city underneath you. And in Mexico, yeah. it's like with the pyramids. If you go sí. to the main square, sabes that como toda la arquitectura post conquista that that it's shown in the main square that it's beautiful, but underneath. Uh-huh. It, you know that there might be ruins and there might be pyramids yes. and they keep finding oh shit, you know? It's so it's crazy. like all that. It's See? crazy. Yeah. And not only is it like, because it's not just train stuff, and we'll see this in the movie because it's not mm-hmm. just holes for trains to go through. It's like pipelines and like water lines and a montón de mierda, old uh, stations that are built on top of or next yeah. to or whatever. It's it, insane systems that just they're mazes, which is crazy. Not only is it deep, it's like a full on a vast. It's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's a really smart idea. You're talking insects. You think about like the subway system, you're like termite colony, like just tunnels, 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 you know? Tunnels and tunnels and tunnels. Human termite colony. (laughs) (laughs) So as they get deeper into the tunnels, Officer Leonard says that the mole people used to live down here like crackheads, mental cases, and then suddenly they were all gone. And Mm -hmm. people started to make up uh, stories about a killer, overcoat slim, Long John, Mm -hmm. which I was like, that Mm -hmm. is fucking terrifying, but also like, wow. So all the people who've like been living in the subway stations have been just getting picked off by the Judas breed. That's terrifying. Holy shit. Well, technically for Judas, these Mm -hmm. are people encroaching in my territory. I'm going to fucking eat you. And that's what the food. Absolutely. And you're in my space. So I'm taking you down, homie. And maybe that explains, too, like, why didn't they know about this before? And maybe it's because it's like because there was a food source, but now there isn't. So these Judas bugs have like had to go out to Mm -hmm. to eat. Another part of the the, what it makes it even creepier. It's on how they adapted to get carnivorous. You know, like Ooh. to eat meat because you know that, yeah, for sure, some um, they can be, for example, uh, how do you call them when they are carroñeros? Like they eat, um, like oh, uh, scavengers, dead, uh, scavengers, scavengers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, scavengers. Mm-hmm. Some, some insects, yeah, mm-hmm. some of yeah. them are scavengers, like the like the um, yellow jackets and all of them. If you're, mm. I, I, you know how I found out this because one day I was eating some cochinita tacos de cochinita mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, in a fair mm. here, and yeah, they would just went on top of my taco and started just to eat the meat, and I didn't know that they they will do that. So <gasps> imagine the the evolutionary uh, part of these Judas breed 
that yeah. all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, maybe we're not going to survive of eating another box or another sort of source of uh, protein around yeah. here, but human meat. So let's do that. And let's get carnivoros and make our taquitos. Y orale, you know? <laughs> taquitos de mole. Taquitos de mole, people. <laughs> and I mean, too, they're fucking huge. So it's like, we got an appetite. We got to like, it's yeah. our prey has to be big. So Exactly. Uh, okay, so... They go even deeper and deeper into this subway system and they discover a room filled with upside down shit. So basically, it's like you're getting closer, baby. You're getting closer to the colony. <laughs> and Officer Leonard says, because the shits are big, they're big old shits. And Officer Leonard says, must have been a big elephant ass motherfucker. And I was he, like, oh shit, Officer Leonard. He made that up on the spot. Absolutely. That yeah. is an improvised fucking like, because you can hear Josh Brolin yes. laughing when he's like, must have been a big elephant ass motherfucker. Oh my God. I was cackling. That was so funny. He nailed. He nailed. <laughs> uh, okay, so meanwhile, Susan is now at the Delancey Street Station waiting for Peter. And we hear an announcement. Delancey Street Station will be closing in five minutes. Does this happen, Eileen? <laughs> no, absolutely fucking not. That is not a thing that happens. Maybe for like renovation or like uh, construction. But they'll tell you in advance and they'll say like, no, it's closed. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. No, you can't come down here. No, no, no. They're not going to yeah, be yeah. like, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> we'll be closing. <laughs> the Delancey station is now closed. Thank you Been for using minutes. the MTA. <laughs> what if you miss the call? What Can they lock you in? Uh, I'm. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised. The MTA don't give a hot fuck about you. Jeez, that's scary. That's fucked. Okay, so <laughs> Delancey Street is going to be closing in five minutes. So she's sitting and she's looking through Polaroids she took of the huge bug that adorable Norman Reedus found when she seems to notice something. So she puts two Polaroids together, revealing a creepy humanoid face. Oy. And then whoosh, a train rushes by her. I jumped, dude. Scare the fuck out of me. Bumped my head. I was like, what the fuck? That train scared the shit out of me. This was a good scare because yeah. like when she puts the pictures together, it gets quiet. And then uh -huh. boom, that oof, scared the shit out of me. Totally. And she's now in an empty station and she sees a large shadow appear against one of the tiled walls and no 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 this fool she walks up to this quote unquote man and she's <laughs> like what time is it and i was like girl really girl, go the other way what are you doing <laughs> But then this thing looks up and we see that it has that awful creature face from the Polaroid. So she freaks out. She turns and she's like, nope. She begins to run. She looks behind her and we get our reveal. Now, it is very CGI, but I still enjoyed it. It's a big fucking bug. And it unfurls its coat, which are actually huge insect wings. Yeah. It opens its human-like mask, revealing an insect face. It flies through the air, catching Susan, and takes her into a dark subway tunnel. It's very mantis vibe. So when she yes. says termite and mantid DNA joining together, here we see, oh yeah, this is a fucking mantis for sure. And now, Eileen, 
is going to take over and lead us through the end of this movie. So in the old armory subway station that eventually baby Josh, Peter, and Officer Leonard find in their, like, crawl through these tunnels of the subway, they, as they're, like, collecting giant poops and shit. (laughs) Hanging poops. Yes. Hanging poops. Eventually, in the station... They're looking around. It's huge. And uh, Officer Leonard is explaining like, oh, it's old timey, abandoned, whatever. In comparison to the bug man, to the adult Judas, a baby Judas crawls on this platform that he's standing on. And by baby, I mean the chihuahua again. It's like the small chihuahua Mm -hmm. is climbed on the platform and everybody sees it and they're like, oh shit, there it is. But Officer Leonard just sees a giant bug and he's like, fuck this fucking thing, smashes the shit out of it and (laughs) explodes it all over the platform. And Peter gets angry. He gets on the platform with Leonard and suddenly that platform is like creak, 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 and it fully collapses on the ground in the actual station, the armory station, leaving baby Josh up on top and no way for Peter and Officer Leonard to get up back up there. You don't do that in an, in an old structure that you Guys, know that it might fall at any second. Don't stand on it to begin with. Girl. <laughs> I also love that you call him Baby Josh. That's my favorite. It's Baby Josh. He's Baby Josh for me. (laughs) And now, for me also, like, once they're in this, this kind of, like, abandoned station in the, you know, the depths, the bowels of New York City, I was like, Teenage Teenage Mutant Mutant Ninja Ninja Turtles? Turtles, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's exactly what I thought, too. I was like, where are they? Where are they? I'm ready. (laughs) Yeah. Because they lived in a freaking subway car. When they moved into that subway car, dude, I was so excited for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was like, yeah, guys, they would save the day. They would save the day. So, Officer Leonard sends baby Josh back into the subway maze to uh, bring some people to help them out. And he gives him his badge and everything to try and get some help. But, bitch, it's an empty New York City subway track. Mm. And it's like, this is going to be tough, bro. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, deep in the subway sewers, Susan wakes up in like the darkness after she's been kidnapped by fucking Judas and she hears get your spoons ready (laughs) some clicking (laughs) clicking and a clacking and then she feels rain falling on her from the street grate above and at the end of the tunnel she sees the shadow of one of the creatures going by So she's like, fuck this shit. She finds a pipe that's sticking out of a fucking gross dead guy. Just a fucking. Who who is that? Who was that guy? (laughs) (laughs) And why was he stabbed with a pipe? I was so confused. Like, why is this man stabbed with a pipe? Like, maybe he fell on the. I did not get that. Maybe know. he fell on the pipe. I mean, if he's picking up fucking Susan and flying through the subway, maybe they're sure. picking up their prey and dropping them to kill him and shit. Who knows? You know what I thought here with this scene? Because I don't know if they show it in the normal uh, version of the movie, but in the director's cut, they show that eventually the, the pregnancy test that she's taking at some at some point in her apartment, it turns out to be positive. 
Oh, so, shit. Yeah, she wow. doesn't know that she throw it away in the garbage can. But then <gasps> when she left and the, the husband stayed there for a while, he took a look at the at the test and realized that it was positive. So by oh, the time shit. when they are trying to communicate each other with the cell phone, uh, he was trying to tell her like, hey, the test was positive. The test was positive, but the communication was breaking and she couldn't wow. hear it. So okay. by the time when she was already dragged in the hole by the Judas... Um, we know by this point, I believe that all the ones that fly are females, yes. and they are yes. more overprotective over the, of the poopas and the the nests and the whatnot. babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I thought that it, at this point they will spare her because they could she's hear pregnant. somehow that she's pregnant, but <gasps> they were trying to kill her regardless, you know. But that would have been a cool move. Yeah. The only reason, like in our version, because I, I I don't think we got a positive test result in our version. No, she gets the negative one. Yes. Mm. And so in our version, what I thought is like, you know, they're basically like putting her in what she called earlier with the termite colony, the pantry, so that they can eat her later. But this whole story that you're telling us here, Addy, with the positive test, I like that so much better. Yeah, it makes sense because he he didn't just throw at her to kill. You know, it was just like, okay, I'm just going to drag you here. Maybe just mm-hmm. for you to have your baby here. Yeah, <laughs> we'll protect you or whatever. <laughs> Join the colony. Join our colony. Uh, we'll give you a big drench coat. So she pulls the pipe out of that weird dead guy and she goes down these dark, disgusting tunnels and she sees a grate up where people are walking on the street and she tries to scream up there, be like, yo, I'm down here. I'm so, please. What the fuck? Pero surprise, surprise. I viene el Judas atrás de ella. Mm-hmm. And she turns around, she stabs it with her pipe. That gross, foamy pus shit comes flying out of her and she fuck or out of the Judas and she runs the other way. But that Judas is fine because she goes to another tumble, she or another tunnel, she tumbles through this pipe, and then the Judas is chasing her, and then she pulls open a manhole from the ground and she climbs through it and she's dangling because there's no immediate floor on the bottom, and she's dangling from this manhole cover. Judas and he tries to fucking grab at her, but she lets go. And that bitch is lucky as hell porque había uh, the thinnest little bridge, the thinnest Mm -hmm. bridge that she lands on. And if that shit wasn't there, dead. Ooh, goodbye. But she lands and she's okay. Meanwhile, baby Josh is trying to find his way out of the subway. He hears again that like weird purring and rustling. And he pulls this huge steel slat to the side and hanging in a bunch of slime and goop, Ahí está el gigante huevo del fucking Judas. And there's not just one. There's a shit ton of them. Yeah. And then from the darkness, we hear. (laughs) The clicks and the clacks. (laughs) Baby Josh is like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And he starts climbing his way towards a grate above. And he pulls it off and he's trying to climb out and This is, I believe, the room where the people were kept sewing and stuff like that because there's Mm -hmm. a sewing machine there. Wow. 
I didn't even they, think of this. I just yeah. put that together now, knowing the information that Adi gave us. He mm-hmm. almost made it. So he climbs out. He grabs at a wire from one of the sewing machines there, and he's pulling himself up. Listen, Judas is Girl. hungry. Judas yeah. grabbed those pincers. And this was a bummer for me. In my mind, that Judas went slice, 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 and cut that bitch in half. That's what mm-hmm. I picture in my mind pero nosotros vemos from the from the floor point of view so we just see baby josh getting killed under like underneath no se ve he spits Mm -hmm. out a bunch of blood and then he's dead and i was like bro show us the show us him getting sliced up i'm so surprised that that was a bummer for you because this takes me right back to when I was watching this as, you know, a 12, 13-year-old. And this scene disturbed me so hard. Really? Oh, because he's like, you know, he's pulling at the the, the fucking cord. And you see that the Judas is fucking fast. Like, it's Mm -hmm. so fast. It goes right up to him and you see... Like it attacks him and I love you just see like a splatter of blood. So it's like and I didn't expect that. Like even watching it, you know, just a few days ago, I was like, oh, my God, it fucked him up so hard doing whatever it did that it's just like, boom, like just a geyser of blood. And the look that Josh Brolin gives us as he's like getting pulled back, I was like, we're like watching the life just him die seep from his face. I know that's scary. This fucked me up (laughs) (laughs) i'll say this about the whole entire movie and all the kills that we have with judas they're very much like close-up shots of judas stabbing people with its its pincer Mm -hmm. and i was like listen i don't need to see the kids get mangled pero yo quería ver un poquito más of like the killing part of it like, I would have liked to see Josh Brolin's a half fall off of his body. I would have liked to see more. What have I done to you, Eileen? Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to your nightmare. The way it happened, you assume that half of his body is gone, you know? Yeah, it's gone because there's so, there's so much blood. Yeah, but yeah. I still want to see it. I want to see that yeah. fucking body fall off. You know what I mean? I love that for you, Eileen. And I'm so surprised. I just fucking love that. Um, I just, I like occasionally in like my scary movies, I just like, you see the blood. You don't yeah. see what happened. And I like the suggestion because the imagination can be so powerful. But I also oh, just, yeah. little side note here. I wasn't sure what this was rated. And I was like, I just checked it out. And this was rated R. It was. So I can see what you mean yeah. that like mm-hmm. it's bloody and you do see gore, but mm-hmm. especially in a GDT movie, mm-hmm. which, you know, he'll get to later on. He, yeah, he gets fucking gory. And so yeah. this was more suggested gore. So in her own subway pit, after she's landed on that tiny bridge that she landed in, Susan's chilling. She's like, well, now I'm here in this pit. <laughs> And she looks up to she looks up to the manhole because she hears some noises and she sees a lighter and it's Manny because Manny has also been in the pit looking for Chewy. Pinche Manny away. I'm telling you, so ballsy. He is determined. 
Back in the station, Officer Leonard and Peter discover an old subway car that's just been stranded there, a.k.a. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles house. Y de repente, <laughs> we hear some clanging. Pero it's fucking Manny. And he's like, guys, I found Susan. Let's go help her. So they all go. They find Susan. They pull a belt off, try to lift her out of this pit she's in. Pero she hears the Judases approaching. Jeez. <gasps> So they all have glow sticks from before, from when they were trying to like discover the subways with baby Josh. And one of the glow sticks falls through the manhole and lights up the Judas's face. And everybody's like, what the fuck is that fucking shit? <laughs> and, and fucking uh, Susan, I'm like, tuck your legs in, girl. Tuck your legs. You can't yeah, have tuck, your legs a dangling because you're going to be a baby Josh in two seconds. <laughs> You got to tuck them legs. So they pull her up really quickly. They slam that manhole shut. Pero el fucking Judas is on the prowl, dude. So he like jumps out of that manhole and they're all running and running and running. And they run back into the subway car. The Judas hot on their tail. They slam the door close of the subway car. Leonard is fucking shooting the shit out of the fucking thing. And when they slam the door shut, they catch the Judas in half. Oh. Y el, la mierda todavía viva. Y Leonard fucking shooting, shooting, shooting. And they close it enough. And the fucking Judas reaches up with its uh, pincers to grab a part of the subway to like pull itself out of there. And it rips itself in half. Oh. Mm -hmm. Bottom half on the outside, top half on the inside scuttles out underneath one of like a part of the subway car. It was so big and horrible. It's one of those moments, as we say, te dan ñañaras. Absolutely ñañaras. Ñañara? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Leonard with his gun out. Peter with a pipe that he found. They try and find the the top half of the Judas that went in hiding. but. Manny notices that outside the bottom half of the of the Judas is clicking in a clacking, but <laughs> up against <laughs> up, like using its feet to like maybe send signals. I don't know signals para la, las otras muchachas que vengan. Help me. Well, you know how some bugs they will uh, rob their feet. You know, like mm -hmm. the, yeah, the crickets. So like to, yeah, ricket, ricket, ricket. To, yeah, like, yeah, just yeah. to call the, hey, girls, hey, you know, girl. I'm here, yeah. I'm here. So, yeah. Uh, what are you doing tonight? My legs are rubbing together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as Leonard and Peter approach the top half of the Judas, the Judas fucking slices the shit out of fucking <sighs> Officer Leonard's legs Ooh. right before he shoots the shit out of it fucking dead. Peter tries to patch up Leonard's leg, which is mirado de talk about the gore. Esta pierna está abierta. Se ve mal. Mal, brother. And he's, you know, trying to fix that up. Manny, on the other end of the car, is dragging the Judas's body over. And Susan flips it over and she discovers that the fucking mierda has lungs. I know, Ugh. that's impressive. That that's an important moment of the of the movie because that's when you get to see how far those bugs have, have gone evolved. into it. You know, like evolve the adaptation, the everything that trying to mimic exactly yes. the yes. predator, which is us. 
Peter even says, he's like, that's impossible. Insects cannot have lungs. That's mm-hmm. how it limits its size. And Susan's like, bitch, the secretion says it all. This is fucking lungs. And honestly, mm-hmm. it looked more like a vagina to me. I was like, that, yeah. those flaps? <laughs> that's a vagina. That's next in the evolutionary <laughs> chain. <laughs> I love when they poke at the, the thing. It's like, look at that. Flimsy flimsy, flimsy flimsy. I was like, you're fingering this animal. What are you doing? <laughs> oh my God. So Susan explains that when she increased the Judas's metabolism, she must have sped up the breeding cycle as well. Mm-hmm. And They're like, but how can the Judas evolve into this fucking thing Mm -hmm. in like three years? Mm. And she's like, it took us 40,000 generations for apes to turn into humans. Mm -hmm. But since she changed the DNA of the fucking thing, they have no idea what they did or what they created. Uh, Literally what she said at the top where she's like, we don't know the impact of what we did. Well, here it is. This is it. Exactly. Yeah, they accelerated the entire process, probably. Everything. So Officer Leonard is like, if they've been around this whole time, like all this time that you've since you've let it go, how come nobody has seen it? And Susan grabs the two pieces that the Judas uses as a mask as she's saying, sometimes an insect will evolve to mimic its predator. And she puts the pieces together And she says, the Judas evolved to mimic its predator, us. And the pieces are literally just a human ass face. Like it's got a nose. It's got dented eyes. It is horrible. It is so creepy. I got goosebumps again right now of (laughs) hearing that. So Manny, rightfully so, I think, is like, what have you done, you stupid idiot? Mm -hmm. Literally, you've created a monster. You've released it into humanity. I'm a civilian. I'm a regular ass guy. And you just and everybody starts yelling at each other and every there's desperation everywhere y de repente slam a huge fucking pincer right through the train wall right next to fucking Leonard's head whose leg is all fucked and they are surrounded all the Judases are there and they're all using their fucking garras trying to get into the car and Susan says it's the blood it's the blood Leonard's fucking open ass leg yeah And she's like, we have to cover the scent. So she sticks her fucking bare ass (laughs) hands into the fucking dead Judas corpse they have in that car. And she pulls out its testicles, (laughs) it looks like. But I know it's the scent glands. So she pulls out these fucking glands. And she's like, put it all over his leg. And I'm like, mira, esa pierna se te va a cortar. Just cut it off now, bro. Porque... (laughs) I just thought infection, inf- you're going to turn into a Gangrene. bug. Gangrene. Ew. See. <laughs> I know. Que asco. I believe there's even a part where he says, like, this doesn't look sanitary at all or something like that. <laughs> he absolutely says, this can't be sanitary. <laughs> you are absolutely right, Officer Leonard. They are glopping all kinds of <laughs> bloop and blop all over <laughs> 
so gross. Hey, you know what? It that uh, survival mechanism is actually pretty pretty smart. Mm. You know, I mean, if you're trying to cover your human scent, your human pheromones, hormones, yeah. whatever it is, even with zombies, uh, The Walking Dead yes. recently showed us that. I was about to say, Walking Dead. It's the f- it's in the first season. They grab a bunch mm-hmm. of zombie guts and they put it all over yeah. their bodies and they just go on through the horde. So it's la misma mierda. Disgusting but smart. Nasty. Yeah. Y de repente, after they are glooping it, not only on Leonard's legs, but they're glooping all the glop on the windows where there's cracks and stuff, so that the Anna, the fucking Judas can smell it, and they eventually fly away. So now it's time to make a fucking plan because we can't live in this subway car forever. (laughs) And they have to start up the car, but they also have to drive it out of the fucking tunnel. So they decide that Manny is going to go and find the switch for the track for the train. And Peter will go and rewire the wires to start up the fucking thing. Mm -hmm. I love that. So Manny and Peter grease each other up with fucking insect goop. And they and Susan says. Honey, try not to sweat, bitch. Oh, I'm sweating <laughs> through all my clothes. Dude, <laughs> since, you, since you started, like, again, uh, going through all the train card scene, my hands right now are sweaty <laughs> as hell. Just talking about it. Yeah, the stress. These fucking animals can sense chemical changes, so mm-hmm. don't fucking sweat. And, don't fart. Uh, don't fart. Don't do nothing. Don't do not live. Just do it. So, OK. So off of Peter and Manny go to do their little jobs that they've been assigned. Manny in the office is trying to find the switch. And Peter goes into a little tiny tunnel off of the subway tunnel that they are in. Mm-hmm. And Peter crawls in through this hole and he finds the wires and he's got to patch them up. But they're too far from each other. And de repente se oye. Y al lado de él. Like literally like whispering. We're here to tell you about insurance. <laughs> like the fucking <laughs> Judas. En su mera cara. With his fucking human face. With the mask on. Ugh. So you just see that like horrible intent- indented face. And I was like, brother, cuidado empezas a sudar. Oh my God. Uh, you just better sit there and let Breathe. this thing go. Mm-hmm. And that Judas is like, just going for my morning stroll. Don't mind me, like, pasando. <laughs> In la oficina, Manny is like, where the fuck is this thing? Y de repente, agarre las cucharas, están los clicks and los clacks. But it's not a Judas. It's spoons. It's fucking chewy. He found it. Chewy, pinche chewy, huele a gran puta. ¿Dónde andas, chewy, maldito perro? Entonces, <laughs> in the car, Susan figures out that if the Judases get into Grand Central Station, like into the tunnels of Grand Central Station, they'll be able to get out of the city and basically spawn anywhere and everywhere. He can yeah. do whatever the fuck they want. Mm-hmm. But also, this is where she makes the point of saying we've only seen female Judases mm. because the male would have been lighter in color and have no wings. Yep. Yep. And she says, and this 
This probably means that they're holding true to their spawning pattern, which means that there is only one fertile male for all the lady Judases. And if they kill that male, the colony will die out. Back in the office, Manny is like, A ver, Chewie, vamonos, hijo de la gran puta. What the fuck, dude? (laughs) You fucking kid. (laughs) But we hear the clicking and the clacking. And this time, it's not Chewie's spoons, dude. And behind Manny lowers a full-on Judas, and he turns around and rapidito stab, slice, and fucking pincer his ass and Chewie just stands there as he watches as the Judas kills Manny. No. That's awful. Poor Manny. Balty Manny. Yeah. But at the same time I was like, okay, because we were wondering how did Chewie manage manage to survive against the Judases? Probably they could sense his condition. Mm. You know, if if we get like the two theories that we uh, talk about earlier in 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 the podcast, like one, he might be on the spectrum, or two, he might have some several, um, you know, like consequences of uh, having of the, the disease. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and and at the same time, well, he was managing to mimic the yeah. their own sound you know their their call mimic and he, Hello. yeah and, <laughs> and they didn't even kill him and that's why Chewie at some point he's telling man like hey they're friends and guess what buddy they're not fucking friends no. they're no. gonna kill Manny right in front of your eyes and that's what happened to add on top of those options for why they kept Chewie alive uh there's a point in the movie where Manny's like he's really good like explaining to Susan like he's really smart he knows everything about shoes he's really good yep. about mi- mimicking sounds mm-hmm. so maybe yep. this kid is so good at the spoons that these fucking bugs are like oh yeah that's just a baby fucking uh, one of Judas us. hanging out yeah and so. if anything they <laughs> murdered Manny because they thought that he was a threat to Chewie one of their own you know yeah from the car Officer Leonard and Susan hear what's going on with Manny and Chewie. So Susan's like, all right, I got to go out there. Back in the little tunnel, the side tunnel that Peter's in, he uses his wire-rimmed glasses to connect the fuse, and boom, the lights come on. Dope. Smart. In La Oficina, Susan finds Manny's rosary. Again, another Catholic imagery from Mm -hmm. GDT just swimming in a pool of blood, and she's like, well, shit. And then she finds Chewie. She's like, mm-hmm. oh, mira, brother, cuando yo te digo that every time she said the word Chewie, I laughed so hard, because the way she <laughs> says Chewie, she's like, Chewie, <laughs> Chewie, <laughs> Chewie. I was like, why are you saying it like that? <laughs> but obviously Chewie's like who the fuck are you bitch and he's afraid to go to her back with Peter in the fucking hole the wires and everything as he's coming out of it right next to the hole he sees a dumb waiter mm. like tucked into the wall mm-hmm. and from inside the car Leonard is like hell yeah the lights are on let's get this fucker started and the car starts to move but Something happens. It gets kind of stalled. Something shorts out. As it shorts out, an extinguisher falls off, smashing on Leonard's wounded leg. Oh. Y abriendo esa mierda de nuevo. Y ahí viene el montón de sangre. So he's bleeding out again. 
And Peter's like, all right, let me in, my dude. And Leonard's like, dude, I'm bleeding again. You can't. The Judases are going to come. Get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Susan and, and Manny and, and well, RIP, but Susan and Chewie are in the office. Go get them. In La Oficina, Susan and Chewie are trying to, like, quietly sneak out. Pero ahí vienen los clicks and clacks and los clicks and clacks. Y el maldito de Chewie is like, oh, time to no. do my spoons. Chewie, uh, shut the fuck up. Look, I mean, I, I just, I'm going to turn full asshole mode on right now. Like, I understand the boy has a condition, but I was like, I... I'm so aggravated by this child right now. Somebody grab the spoons and throw them away. Please get rid of the fucking spoons. Oh, damn. But luckily enough, Peter finds them and they're like, okay, let's get the fuck out of here. Outside, Leonard sees that they are being surrounded. Like, literally, hay un montón de Judases on the windows of the office, and they are, mm-hmm. like, scratching with Ugh. their pincers at the windows. And Leonard makes a decision. He starts to sing. By the way, what a beautiful voice he has. Like, I know it <laughs> yes. was, like, yes. I know it was, like, fun, goofy singing, but you're, like, he was, like, whoa. I was, like, yes, bitch. Come on, Broadway. <laughs> Oh my God. (laughs) So he starts to sing and he leaves the subway car and he's dragging his fucking busted ass, goopy, full of insect guts leg down the subway tunnel. And his plan works because unfortunately, todos los Judases that were at the oficina attack him and he's shooting at him, shooting at him. He goes down shooting, dude. Yeah. And. Mm The final shot that we see of our friend Officer Leonard Aww. is the Judas eating his fucking face. Ugh. Jesus. Yeah, he sacrificed himself. Mm-hmm. He did. You know, that was a that was a very humane move, but also it's like, buddy, you could have been saved. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you would have lost that leg for sure, but yeah. maybe you could have lived. Yeah. Yeah. So Peter takes Susan and Chewie over to the dumbwaiter and he's like, let's get the fuck in here. Chewie is freaking the fuck out. And Susan's like, shut up, you fucking kid. (laughs) And he climbs in. (laughs) She climbs in. And next, Peter is supposed to climb in. But up above in this station, which has a beautiful ornate glass ceiling, Mm -hmm. something lands. And Peter looks up. And through the glass, a giant Judas falls down. It made me think about um, Batman, uh, Batman Forever, uh-huh. when Batman <laughs> comes into that gala and he like goes through the glass. Also, he does that in the first one too. In the museum, he smashes through the glass. Yeah, it made yeah. me think of Batman. <laughs> but when we see the Judas land, we can see. This motherfucker ain't got no wings, bitch. Okay. So Peter slams the dumbwaiter door closed with Susan and Chewie inside. And he's like, mira, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to stop him. And he grabs that chain and Susan's like, no, you motherfucker. And he's like, I don't care. He pulls that chain and he sends Susan and Chewie up to the top. The male Judas that we just saw 
or the wingless one, who's obviously the male, mm-hmm. we hear him clicking and a clacking, and he's sending signals to all the lady Judases. He's like, hey, girls, it's me, your only fertile male. Don't you want to get some? Well, come join me at the armory station. I got lunch for us. Uh, hey, girls. <laughs> so... Okay. So once Susan and Chewie get to the top, Peter locks the chain so that they can stay up there. And he runs into the same little hole that he had been before where the wires were. And he yeah. crawls deeper and deeper into it until he gets to the other side. And it's this huge, giant, I'm going to say, like, gas room, control yeah. room. Like, there's it's huge pipes. It's very mm-hmm. big. Yeah. Con, like, water lines, maybe. Yeah. Quien fucking sabe. And he slams down a steel door that to cover the tunnel that he just came out of. In the dumbwaiter, Susan is kicking and kicking at the wooden slat so that her and Chewie can get the fuck out. She kicks one out and it's big enough for Chewie to fucking slide his tiny body. And she's trying to, but she's a little too big. Y el male Judas allá abajo on the bottom at the, of the dumbwaiter. And he's like, oh, uh, you want You think you're smart? You think I can fucking not figure out how to do this? Well, he goes over to the chain and he uses his pincers to just mm-hmm. click, clack, and he starts snapping at the thing Shit. of the pulley. Mm-hmm. Susan's like, "Woo, fuck!" So she's kicking at the another piece of slat so she can slide out, and she is able to take it out just at the time when the dumb waiter is about to fall because the wires have finally been cut. But she uses the slat to stop it. She crawls out, but that doesn't matter because Judas down there lifts the little gate and he starts crawling up the walls and oh. he tries to slide through the hole she made in the slats with his with his pincer, slamming it down on the ground. And Susan's like, eat a dick, motherfucker, and says, fuck you, and kicks him back in <laughs> and he falls with the dumbwaiter. Yeah. Back to Peter in the big ass room with the fucking pipes and shit. He steps in a bunch of slime. Now we know when we see the slime. Eggies. Something, oh God. Something's bad. Mm-hmm. Las pupas. Las pupas. Y de repente se oyen que las pupas, que son también gatos, are like... Prr, prr, prr. <laughs> and it's not just one, bitch. It's mm-hmm. thousands of it's them. It's like maracas. You know? <laughs> like maracas But... Not only is it eggs, but there are also egg shells mm. on the yeah. ground, mm. like opened yeah. fucking Open. eggs. Now, this is like an alien type yes. of moment, right? When, totally. when you get to see the the eggs, yeah. right? When we yeah. see the eggs, and not mm-hmm. only that, he looks up to the ceiling, y están hundreds of the fucking things hanging upside down on the ceiling and i was like oh alien he's about to pull a sigourney Mm -hmm. at the end of aliens he's about to do it absolutely yes now i was gonna say it it makes sense for these type of bugs i mean i know they're not giant cockroaches but when i was a kid i always thought that they were giant cockroaches we used to have um a commercial in Mexico, uh, you know, like advertising spray for cockroaches and uh-huh. keeping them out of your of your house and whatnot. And they will always say like the, the slogan. It was something like, por una que ves, hay diez que no. Uh, oh, you know, like wow. from what if, if you see one cockroach, there are 10 around that you are sure. not seeing. 
And that that commercial always made me look. I even got goosebumps it, right now. That's that's made to freak you true. out. Yeah, disgusting. It is true, and mm-hmm. it makes sense. Like all of a sudden in this giant room, yeah, we've been seeing like five, four, maybe of those mm-hmm. Judases, you know. And oh, they kill two, they kill one, but then all of a sudden, yeah, you a have full hundreds ceiling. of them. A colony, yes. a full mm-hmm. colony. A yeah. colony. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. So the Judases that were chasing Peter are at his fucking steel door trying to get in. And he's like, fuck, I'm going to have to figure something out. And he looks over at a hissing pipe and it says flammable right underneath. And you're like, all right, bitch, here we go. And luckily enough, he had on his person Manny's Zippo lighter. Mm -hmm. So he's like, all right, dude, I'm going (laughs) to run over there to that corner. I'm going to grab the emergency pickaxe that happens to be here, and I'm just going to fucking go to town. So he is slamming on a a bunch of fucking pipes, just making holes, getting that gas to fill this whole entire room, and we get a shot of the pupa, the poopa, Fucking slicing open oh. and revealing, listen, a vagina inside. That was a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> we said it. It does being Giorgio O'Keefe. The next level of evolution for the for the Judas breed. <laughs> Just a bunch of insect vaginas. That's all it is. Yeah. Yep. The Judases at the door, they're almost in. The Judases in the ceiling are starting to wake up and he pulls out his Zippo and he's like, I'm ready to explode this motherfucker and click. Nada. Click, click, click. Shit. Of course. Mm -hmm. So now the Judases Mm -hmm. are in and they are attacking at Peter and he lands on the ground. The Zippo falls out and, and tumbles into a grate with a water line underneath. So Peter lifts up the fucking grate and he's got has to figure it out. The the ceiling Judases land around him. Peter is surrounded. He yeah. grabs the pickaxe and he starts swinging it on the steel ground that he's standing on. And he swings and swings. And finally, a spark goes off, exploding the whole entire space. But not before yeah. he falls into the water line below. Into the poop water, probably, Into, because oh, I don't think that was potable water. It that was poop is water. absolutely the city of New York sewage. Like, there is just <laughs> poop and poop and poop. This movie is a poop movie, guys. <laughs> Pero, so he explodes this room, but baby, that it, it explodes the full entire Holy pipeline shit. of New York City. Oh, yeah. And so we see above on the streets of New York just like manholes exploding with fire, just cars getting fucking upended and flipped over. Oh, like, you know, several people must have died in this accident oh, right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> True. yeah. No, I gotta add to this scene that actually Guillermo del Toro inspired this scene in an event that happened like that in Guadalajara in 1992. And I I was traumatized as a kid when I saw the news about it because, yeah, a a giant explosion happened in the sewer system in Guadalajara. And of course, it damaged avenues of the city, destroyed cars, destroyed like concrete structures. And of course, a lot of people died. Oh my God. And... And he got inspired by by this event to recreate this one to kill the 
mutant cockroaches in in the New York uh, New York City subway system. Wow. Mm-hmm. But it actually happened like a few years before when this movie was made. That's so, crazy. Um, it is crazy because you know what? As a kid, um, yeah, you have horror movies. Yeah, you have like depictions of uh, fantasy and horror characters. But then when you have events uh, occurring like this around you, like mm. very close to you, you get with the idea that that might happen at some point in in your neighborhood, yeah, you know, and that you can die all all of a sudden just like that, mm. and and yeah, it's very traumatizing. Watching this, I was like, bro, anything at any moment you're riding the subway can go wrong down there. Like, yeah, Absolutely. they're constantly working on shit, constantly construction <laughs> stuff. Like, quién sabe. Qual dia alguien se le pasa, something falls, something mm-hmm. cracks, and then we're done. And it's yeah. ter- it's very scary. Well, now we've been talking about poop, you know, and yeah, the poop <laughs> waters. And But we know for sure that in the sewer systems, it runs a lot of methane, gas methane. Yeah. Yes. And so methane, even bigger look, explosions. Yeah, it's like if you kids, if you were wondering why every time you've seen a video of someone lighting a pedo, you know, like yeah, poop, with, a, with a lighter, like poop. Because it's, it's methane, real. baby. Because a lot of pedos can actually burst into, into a huge, flame. massive explosion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that can happen, and it's scary. Yeah. Wow. Keep the fires away from your pedos, guys. Please. <laughs> Please. <laughs> so, still in another subway tunnel, but this time on a working subway track, Susan is calling out for Chewy. She's like, Chewy, Chewy. Chewy. <laughs> the way she said it is so weird. She said probably she thought that it was spelled with a W-Y. Right. Chewy. 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 So as she's calling for it, we see, oh, baby. Oh, boy. We got one Judas left. Oh, and God. it's that male motherfucker. And he is standing in the middle of that track. And... He turns around and Chewie is there and he starts going towards Chewie. And mm-hmm. Susan's like, no, leave him alone, you fucking asshole. <laughs> and then she realizes, oh, wait, I know what calls the attention. Mm. So she happens to have still have Manny's rosary from before. And she grabs that crucifix and she stigmatas herself and fucking Whoa. makes a hole in her palm <laughs> and just... Just as the Judas is about to get Chewy, he literally has his pincer up right above his little face. Fucking Susan sticks out her bloody hand and that Judas turns around and he's like, all right, you're it. And in ese momento, a horn. The subway's coming, baby. Mm -hmm. Bing bong. The fucking (laughs) watch out for the closing doors, bitch, because it's about to fuck you up. And Tose La Susan starts running towards the fucking subway to lure the Judas towards her. And she's running and running and running. And the last minute, she makes a sharp right and splat. That motherfucker gets it. Oh, yeah. Susan walks over across all the pieces of the Judas's body. Rattling and twitching and still twitching. Yeah. Pura cucaracha when you kill it. Ugh. Disgusting. <laughs> She grabs Chewy and we fade into the streets of New York City where we see oh. firemen and policemen everywhere. Everybody's trying to figure out this fucking crazy explosion that just happened. And Susan and Chewy sit on a stretcher with a blanket around them. So 
Someone we didn't include in this in the story because honestly, he's not that important. But F. Murray Abraham shows up and he's. <laughs> I'm sorry. And uh, oh, fucking we didn't, we didn't Murray, need him. F. He's Murray there. Abraham is in this movie. Everybody, F. Murray Abraham is there. He's uh, he's like a a cohort of of Susan. Yeah. He's like a fellow bug guy. Yeah, yeah. And he goes up to Susan and Chewie on the stretcher, and he's like, "Listen, we checked the area twice. Nothing could have survived down there." And Susan's like, "Even one of us talking about Peter, because Peter yeah. is nowhere to be found." Right. But from the subway station steps, through the crowds of people, Chewie and Susan see somebody. And at first, you're like, hold on. Another Judas. fucking Judas, Judas. bro? Uh-huh. Because it's, it's, a, it's a weird trench coaty vibe that we see. But Chewie notices that there are mountain boots, size 10, brown. Mm-hmm. Guess what, gang? It's mm-hmm. Peter. They all hug, covered in Judas goop and glop. <laughs> fin de la película. All right. Can you imagine that all of a sudden they're going to be a happy family because a baby's yes. on the way? Mm. Oh, I mean, unless in, if, if you've seen the director's cut. Right, right, and right. And on top of that, you see like, well, Chewie now doesn't have Manny around. Yeah. So what are they going to do? Are they just going to leave him be? Probably I they're going to adopt him. Yeah. They're going right? to adopt Chewie. That's the idea. a big hug. Is that he's going to, yeah. yeah. That was the idea. They'll, they'll keep the kid. Wow. Exactly. Oh, man. Well, and, you know, um, I don't know if uh, there's in in the DVDs or Blu-rays uh, versions of the movie, even with a director's cut. I don't know if they have a different ending, but I read somewhere uh, that what led to uh, make the sequel, like the second movie, the third movie that I haven't seen, is that all of a sudden you see some of these pupas rattling and, and making noises again, brr, assuming brr, that, brr. guess what? Not all of them died. Yeah, oh. sure. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even with yeah. a huge explosion like that, I would have been like, something's still down there. Out of all those yeah. pupas and everything, like something survived. If, if they survived in the first place, if they evolved so quickly, please. Right. Come on now. And mira, los animalitos, like the babies, which even though they're chihuahuas, they're could, they could be tucked yes. away in the thing. Dude. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I get it. They killed the male, sure, but yeah. still, mm-hmm. I'm like, life finds One a way. One of those babies can be a male. Or if all of their uh, them are females... You know, there's always a cockroach that doesn't have a sex, you know, mm-hmm. and they can be hermaphrodites. Life finds a way. Life finds a way. Jurassic Park. <laughs> Hello, Jurassic Park. Exactly. Yeah. So there's going to be a new breed of insects yes. that all of a sudden are, are going to be eating the people of New York City. But uh, yeah, great. Yet again. Can't wait. I loved to rewatch this movie again in 2022. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, definitely. It's, Same. it's honestly still kind of relevant, dude. Absolutely. It was, I mean, it had more relevance, honestly, than when I watched it originally, because now we're like living in a very gently similar situation, <laughs> you know? Yeah, let's get into some trivia. How about it? Trivia. All right, so this is my trivia for today. Let's talk about Mira Catherine Sorvino. 
Okay. You know, honestly, like, I mean, I know she's not Latina, but I, I looked, I found her Wikipedia and I was like, oh, I was honestly kind of surprised because I knew nothing about this woman. So here we go. This is from her Wikipedia. She was born September 28th of 1967. Virgo? Uh, no, Libra. So she won her Academy Award for her performance in Woody Allen's Mighty Aphrodite, nineteen ninety-five. I wrote here she mm-hmm. should have won for Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, come on. So Sorvino excelled in high school and was accepted into Harvard University. Did not know this. Fuck. Wow. She studied for wow. one year as an exchange student with CIEE, which I was like, what the fuck is that? So I looked it up. It is the Council on International Educational Exchange in Beijing, China, where she became fluent in Mandarin Chinese. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. In 1989, she graduated from Harvard Magna Cum Laude with a degree in East Asian Studies. Like, this woman is smart. Damn. And by the way, she also helped found the Harvard Radcliffe Veritones, one of Harvard's co-ed a cappella groups in 1985. Hilarious. (laughs) When the 1993 film Amongst Friends, I don't know what that is, but whatever, uh, when that film entered pre-production, she was hired as third assistant director, then promoted to casting director, then to assistant producer, and finally offered a lead role. The positive reviews she received led to more acting opportunities. Between 1996 and 1998, I'm really interested to hear if you two know this, because I did not. Mira Sorvino was romantically involved with director Quentin Tarantino. Yes, I knew. I had literally no idea. Not a moment of a clue. So he was her escort Mm -hmm. to the Academy Awards when she won Best Supporting Actress for Mighty Aphrodite. This was very cool. In honor of Sorvino's role as Susan Tyler in the film Mimic, the discovery of a compound excreted as a defense mechanism by the sunburst diving beetle was named... Mira Sorvone by entomologist <laughs> Thomas Eisner. <laughs> that's pretty that's cool. Awesome. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good take. <laughs> okay, so we all know we got to talk about this just quick. Okay, so in 2017, Sorvino came out publicly about the sexual harassment she endured from producer Harvey Weinstein, fuck you, and believes her career was fuck damaged you. after she rebuffed Weinstein's advances. According to Peter Jackson, Weinstein blocked mm-hmm. Sorvino and Ashley Judd, another of his alleged victims, from being considered for parts in the Lord of the Rings films. Yep. And this, I'm just going to add because I was like, ooh, this is really fucked. But in 2019, Sorvino made public that she was a date rape victim, which that made me so sad. I mean, aside from like because of the fact, but también in this movie, there's that moment where she and Remy are literally just like kind of giggling about that, about date rape. And I was like, how date rape is rampant in New York. Yeah, ugh, that's mm-hmm. just so dark. Well, you know, I I have to add something here because Please. there's a lot of things going on, of course, with a lot of uh, actresses and actors with the Weinsteins, not Harvey, but Bob and having them as head of Miramax films. Yeah. By the time when they were making um, 
the Mimic film, mm. uh, there was kind of like a conflict there with interests of Guillermo el Toro and the Weinsteins. Look, like the early footage of the film wasn't scary enough for him and they were trying to turn it into something different. So that's why he did years after the director's cut. Yeah. But in the in in between, um, the one person that actually supported uh, Guillermo el Toro's on this vision, it was Mira Sorvino. Yeah. Saying yeah. like, hey, dudes, I respect uh, Guillermo's uh, approach and if you don't listen to him I'm gonna quit the film yes mm-hmm. and they had to listen yeah but at the same time it was like things were done already edit the editing job was done Guillermo del Toro was never happy with this film nor his his fans yeah. and at the end he never ever ever ended up working with them again good So just a teeny tiny little bit more about Sorvino. She has been affiliated with Amnesty International since 2004. From 2009 to 2012, she was a United Nations goodwill ambassador for combating human trafficking. She has lobbied Congress to abolish the practice of human trafficking in Darfur. And this was just interesting. So on the Wikipedia page, there is a link to her thesis for dissertation. Oh, wow. From 1989, it says here, Sorvino, comma, Mira, Her thesis was, and this was from Harvard, anti-Africanism in China, an investigation into Chinese attitudes towards black students in the PRC, the People's Republic of China. And I was just like, wow. That's some deep and intelligent shit to investigate. I didn't realize, I I didn't know anything about Mira Sorvino. You know, like... Basic stuff here and there. I definitely learned a little bit like when all the Weinstein was stuff was coming to light. But this I didn't know. And my last little thing about her, she has an uncredited role as a factory worker in the 1985 film The Stuff. Do you both know the movie The Stuff? No, no, never heard of it. Oh, my God. It is 80s trash. I, I put it's like a it's about like um, I think, you know, like that, like marshmallow foamy stuff that peep stuff, literally what I just said. But like the fo- marshmallow, not marshmallows, but it was like a creamy marshmallow substance that you could eat. It's based on that. But it's it's almost like the blob, but it's the stuff. Uh-huh. Whatever. OK, so no. well, that's very cute. Can I add one thing about. Mira Sorvino. Yes. Her dad is Paul Sorvino. Yes, yes, yes. From The Godfather and also yeah. fucking Romeo right. and Juliet. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes, right. yes, yes, yes. I mean, her entire name has a lot of weight. Even if you didn't know anything about her, Mira Sorvino sounds like important. Mira I didn't even know that yeah. she was American. I thought she was kind of like European or something or some descent, you know, but something um, Italian yeah. or something like mm-hmm. that. But she's great. Did you know that she and Jeremy Northam, the guy that plays Peter, didn't uh, couldn't stand at all? I read that. <laughs> I read that, too. I love that. This is something that, like, I didn't, you know, as a kid when I watched this, I didn't pick up on this. But rewatching this, maybe it's because I read that little piece of information. But I found his character to be kind of disagreeable and unlikable. I wasn't yeah. really feeling him. And at the end, when he saves the day, I was like, no. No. Nah. <laughs> no, no, no. Also, he has that face, right? It's it, He has that type of face and you know that he at some point he's going to be a dick. <laughs> yeah, you're just you're just waiting <laughs> for it. Or whatever. Like, I'm just like, no. Si. Uh-huh. Oh, I see. Yo soy bien precious. Get the fuck out of here. 
Nothing against the Brits, of course, but then... Yeah, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. Pero un aire. Yeah. Ese aire que... Mm, mamón. Yes. Mamón. Mamón. Aire mamón. Yes. Okay. Let's take a left turn. I found this article from comingsoon.net. It's called Nine Crazy Things I Learned About Mimic from Guillermo del Toro's Blu-ray Commentary. And this was written by Brad Brevet. So it says mm -hmm. here, after turning in a draft of the screenplay, Miramax wanted to give Mimic a rewrite. And the first rewrite went to John Sayles, who wrote The Howling and Piranha. Love it. <laughs> so GDT says here, the version John Sayles did is my favorite draft of the screenplay. This is his commentary on the, the, the director's yeah. cut. He continues, mm -hmm. needless to say, the screenplay was not as much liked by the studio who further wanted to explain the creatures. I kept saying, the more we explain them, the more we rob them of their magic, but explain them, we did. After John Sayles came none other than a very nice guy called... Steven Soderbergh. <gasps> no way! Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. There's one thing that remains of the Soderbergh draft, and that is the priest being dragged through that small opening in the prologue of the movie. So the article continues. It says here that GDT also wanted to make Josh Brolin's character gay, but he goes on to say... You can imagine how long that lived with the studio. It didn't live beyond one draft, I think, or two. I mean, I have some information Jesus on people. on that yeah. kind of stuff in my trivia. Ooh, yeah. okay. Now, this I found interesting also in this commentary. One thing you can definitely sense from Mimic is Del Toro's influence on the film, specifically in the look. GDT said, I wanted mm -hmm. to design the movie using amber circles and amber arches to suggest that humans were insects trapped in amber. But they, you can imagine who they is, thought I was going for too slow a rhythm or for too fancy schmancy a look for the film. And if you think about it, like there are shots where they do seem like trapped yeah. a lot throughout this film. Mm -hmm. And there's also mm -hmm. that one scene where S Dr. S Susan opens the locker and she spills that necklace that's amber full of beads. amber beads. Yeah. Remember that? Yep. I was like, ooh. Yep. And this is another yep. thing that I think was just like, sliced mm. and diced out of this movie that that yeah. kind of idea mm -hmm. it says here originally matthew robbins who was one of the writers of this film and i gdt came up with the idea of having a huge nest since the single male is the one that impregnates all of the females in the nest like the termite colony in order to show that matthew came up with a disgusting image which was to have the final chase happen after we see a clusterfuck literally, of insects in the wall, and you see the male coming after them with the female still attached to its penis. These twin bodies in perfect coordination running after them in the tunnels of the subway, I thought that was a brilliant image, but the studio thought it was repulsive, and the way they can control you very easily is budget. Holy shit, dude. I'm livid. That would have been so fucking dope. He says here it was sadly very expensive, so it was cut from the film. That's fucked. Yeah, also it doesn't look like they spend a lot of money on it. You know, it's like Absolutely. a low budget type of thing because the Rushed. majority of the scenes are uh, filmed like with a monster, for example, just to not 
thinking about that it was 1996, 1995, probably when when they started to just to mm. uh-huh, making it, the CGI was yeah. uh, expensive. Yeah. And if you wouldn't go with the practical effects, um, everything That's might true. be super expensive. So yeah. I don't know. It was kind of like a combination of both, but it doesn't look like a high end type of budgety film, you know? Yeah. Which is kind of its charm. Absolutely. I liked mm-hmm. the practical effects. The CGI is definitely yeah. like, ooh, 97. But the practical practical effects are goopy and cool. And so to kind of go off this like clusterfuck thing and also to talk about like the religious theme that was cut that GDT wanted to bring in. Apparently, GDT says this, that he wanted a scene where Giancarlo Manny finds Chewie. And that's where we discover the giant. <laughs> he calls it the giant wall of fuck. I love The that. male fucking all the females. The female attached to the penis and Manny sees the creatures coming for him and he uses his razor blade to cut his own throat, (gasps) saying, God cannot see this. And he said, I really like this because I felt he could bring the religious angle to the movie. He could say, what if God has abandoned us and all of that is lost in the movie? Interesting. Wow. So also here, I thought this was interesting. The one point Del Toro hammers home more than any other is how much he apparently despises second unit work on his films. And it seems that Robert Rodriguez did most of the second unit unit Whoa. filming. Oh, wow. On this movie. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So GDT says Robert Rodriguez shot seven or eight days and we had to reshoot. He says, I had to reshoot most of it. And I was able to salvage my storyboards, Eileen's face, (laughs) my storyboards (laughs) for these particular scenes and shoot it exactly as I wanted. Uh, And the guy who wrote this article says, there's one scene like in the commentary where you like, you're just listening to GDT and he keeps saying, that's me, that's Robert. That's me, that's Robert. So it was like messy, you know? And my last little thing here is... When they were planning Mimic, GDT went to go see a movie that was using the exact same look we were looking for that was called Seven by David Fincher. Interesting. The title sequence of Seven was impeccable and it opened a whole new era. Absolutely. Which, absolutely true. Those opening, that, that sequence, incredible. So we became obsessed with hiring the same designers, Kyle Cooper and Imaginary Forces. The idea was to make a subtle joke about what the experience was to shoot this movie by putting a bug with a pin through it being dragged over my credit directed by. Which we do see in the credits where you see like an actual beetle stuck like just being uh-huh. like dragging over directed by GDT, which I hated. And I was like, why the poor beetle? But that was on purpose. I was fully on purpose to be like, this is what it was like for me wow. to make this, this movie. And that's my trivia for today. That's a lot of uh, information. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, here comes some more. So my two little things about the movie is Del Toro originally wanted amazing, fantastic Shakespearean level actor Andre Brower to play Peter Mann. If you don't know who Andre Brower is, he plays uh, the captain in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and he's fucking amazing as that character. And also many other people. He's been in uh, so many fucking movies um, because he wanted, which I talked about not too long ago he wanted to showcase a caucasian woman a black man and a latino child as the symbolism of the future of mankind coming together i love that 
But like you said, the Weinsteins were a piece of shit and they vetoed the idea because they believed oh. America wasn't ready for an interracial family and went with Jeremy Northam. I know. Bullshit. Que pedo. Guillermo del Toro was like yes. years ahead. Miles. Millennials ahead of every, everybody, you know? And thinking of, uh, of, well, he's Mexican. And one of the most important things for a Mexican is family. But then all of a sudden you have like these corporate uh, square heads saying like, no, America is not, not, not ready for that. It's, so, it's fucked. so fucked. Also, the film was actually supposed to end on a really down note with the heroine finally finding the male of the colony, a creature that would change into a form that was nearly indistinguishable from man. And it would say, leave showing that the insect's capabilities to mimic human appearance and sounds had become so advanced that mankind was all but doomed. However, the studio didn't like this oh. idea and the dark ending, so they forced Del Toro to have some sort of scientific explanation for the insect's advanced appearance uh. and as well as having a happy ending. Johnny mentioned before that uh, the entire mimic story was based on a short story or a novel, something that came out in the 1940s. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is kind of like a general question. How much do you think that story was maybe influenced by Franz Kafka? Oh. The metamorphosis of Franz Kafka and all the story about the Gregorio Samsa all of a sudden um, oh my God. Turn, uh, seeing himself turn into a giant bug in his own bed. It's interesting you mentioned that because when I look, because I was like, I should just look up what this story is about. And I didn't read it, but in the article, mm -hmm. it mentions exactly what you just mentioned. And I, I think that, yes, there absolutely was influence there here. Must 100%. I don't know. It kind of makes sense. If you're into bugs or all of a sudden in, in, in that era, you're into horror fantasy type of um, stories. And if you come across uh, Franz Kafka's uh, writings, late writings, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think one to mention is uh, La Metamorphosis or the Metamorphosis Absolutely. and all the story that it entails. So check it out, kids. Read a yeah. book. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. You know, you get into Guillermo del Toro's mind and you know that he has this attraction to the fantasy, gory, monstery type of uh, characters and, he loves and that stories. So he loves it. And the darkest, the better, the gooeyest, the better. Yeah. So um, I don't know. He, he lives in his own mind. And up until now, you can... You can tell like how all of a sudden, I don't know, I haven't seen the noir film that it's I a, have. like a it's it's a a remake of that of, of a noir film, the the one that he Nightmare just released, but the Nightmare Alley, yes. But the previous to that um which is The Shape of Water. Uh-huh. He always mentioned how since he was a kid, uh he always fantasized on having these creatures being the main center of of, of the movie, you know, not the rescuers, not the, the heroes, not the pretty lady, but the monsters. So yeah. we know where he's heading at. Yeah, Absolutely. you know, we're, we know where his head is at. Yeah. So yeah. I love him so much oh, and same. I do respect him so much. Oh my God. Yeah. Anything he does, it's like, you gotta see it, bro. It's magic. It's so, it is. It's magic. He's a magician. Yes. He makes mm -hmm. fucking magic. Um, let's talk about a fucking asshole for a minute, though. Uh, <laughs> 
So I found an article called Harvey Scissorhands, Six Films Ruined by Harvey Weinstein. Oh, no. It's from The Telegraph, written by Adam White in uh, October of 2017, right out of the allegations. Like, mm. we were in the middle of the Weinstein scandal. And so he w- this guy was like, guess what? He ruined movies, too, guys. He's not just an asshole to women. He's also an asshole to literally everybody. Mm-hmm. So we know now in Mimic... You know, he sucked. And um, uh, to add to what Adi said uh, about Mira Sorvino bringing in, being like, I'm going to quit. She brought in Quentin Tarantino to also back her up. And Quentin was like on the heels of Pulp Fiction and all that stuff. So because she was an Oscar winner, because Quentin Tarantino was involved, they were like, "Okay, we can't do this. And Del Toro has said, maybe we're making two different movies. Fucking Harvey Weinstein said, no, you're not making a good movie. And he said, you're going home tonight. We're going to pick up the pieces tomorrow with somebody else. And that's when Mira Sorvino stepped in with Quentin Tarantino. And eventually the Weinsteins backed down, but they still insisted on getting the final cut on the film. So that's when they hacked it to shreds and Mm -hmm. producer BJ rack told Biskind that quote, I've worked with Paul Verhoeven and Mm -hmm. I've produced a James Cameron movie, but mimic was the hardest professional experience I've ever had. I felt like I was in a prisoner war camp. Another movie that Harvey Weinstein fucked up was the movie 54, which apparently was supposed to be a whole lot gayer than what it was. Wow. So the movie was designed as an ambisexual cocaine-fueled disco movie along the lines of 1997's Boogie Nights, and it landed up-and-comers like Ryan Philippe, Uh, Nev Campbell and Salma Hayek, along with Mike Myers. But the Weinsteins were at first really enthusiastic and trying to make it like a sexy, dark indie smash. But once the movie was done shooting, Nev Campbell, Salma Hayek and Ryan Phillippe propelled to the A-list because of Scream, because of Desperado, because of uh, probably Cruel Intentions or something like that. And Mm -hmm. so it led Harvey Weinstein to envision the movie as a mainstream hit, which was disastrous because they had test screenings Mm. and the director, Mark Christopher said they didn't test it in cities. They tested it out in malls in long Island and places like that where the audiences was split between cool people and people who love to be homophobes. Mm, God. So there was, there was a uh, the original love triangle was meant to be um, Ryan Philippi, Breckenmeyer, mm-hmm. and Salma Hayek, but then they it got changed to be Nev Campbell, Salma Hayek, and Ryan Philippi. Mm-hmm. So, oh wow, the movie Fanboys, which was supposed to be like a beautiful uh, tribute to Star Wars and the Star mm-hmm. Wars fandom, and um. Uh, Carrie Fisher made a made a fucking cameo. Uh, Billy D. Williams made a cameo. Wow! Uh, even George even George Lucas gave the okay because the whole point mm-hmm. of the movie was they were gonna go to uh, Skywalker Ranch because their f- best friend was dying of cancer. But then yeah. they cut a bunch of that cancer storyline out and made it like a raunchy '90s comedy, like American yep. Pie style. Wow! And, 
because Harvey Weinstein sucks. I know. So producer Dana Brunetti famously said he spent three fucking years with this movie being held up and never being released. When it finally is released, Harvey just put it on 10 screens and said, quote, if the fans like it, they'll come out to see it. So (sighs) he's a garbage person and he can fuck off to hell. Jesus. I I know. And that's the end of my trivia, you guys. Yeah. I, I do have a, a couple of Yes, um, please. Tell us. You know how we were talking about um how Manny's character was uh, kind of imperative and, and important for mm-hmm. us here in, in Mimic? Yeah. Well, originally Guillermo del Toro wanted to work with Federico Lupi, yes. uh, whom he directed in Kronos mm-hmm. because it was easier. He 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 always loved to um He's an Argentinian. He used to love uh, to to work with him because, well, mainly working with people that can speak Spanish in their films, it's kind of like a like a thing. It brings a different spark into the film and whatnot. You know, it's like oh, yeah. the clash of cultures. Yeah. What Guillermo del Toro is always trying to do, but in this case, uh, Federico Lupi uh, pronunciation wasn't good enough for the movie, and he ended up working instead with Gianni. With yeah, Giancarlo sure. Gianni, whom's Italian. Um, but hey, I mean, I don't know. It would have been a great uh, touch just to see Lupi in the in the mimic it, film as well yeah. as we did in Kronos. I mean, I mean Kronos and El Espinazo del Diablo, which yeah, is which we, uh, Diablo. we've covered also in on the pod, and it's so fucking I love good. Them. They're oh, yeah. good. I don't know. So Guillermo del Toro deserves just like uh yeah, like to be up there, you know? Totally. <laughs> With the big ones. Yeah. And now um this is more like a fun fact about him, just in case um you want to get immersed in the early uh it, it was kind of like now middle eighties, uh late eighties type of television in Mexico, uh-huh. which will show a little bit of a horror genre on open TV, like Televisa and Canal de las Estrellas. And you know, you didn't you didn't have to have um like a cable system mm-hmm. to watch these sure. stories. But there was a there was a show that will air late at night as well. You know, like the telenovelas, even if it, if they were kind of like sexy or not. Or Eran después de la nueve de la noche. Después de la nueve. Also, <laughs> the, the horror stories as well, like with the la, la película that I was telling you, uh, Vacaciones del Terror. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. We used to have a show called La Hora Marcada. <gasps> Like the marked hour. Uh-huh. How how would you say? How would you translate? I think it would it be the marked hour. That mm-hmm. sounds right. The marked hour, and which basically was an anthology of series mm. where Guillermo del Toro started himself as a writer, as a producer, uh, directing, and not only him. Like Emmanuel Lubezki and Alfonso Cuaron starting doing their oh my filming God. type of experiments with that show. But um, wow. it was kind of like the Mexican version of the Twilight Zone. Holy you know, shit! La hora marcada. Love that. Oh my God. It's great. Can you find that on YouTube or something? I have no effing idea, oh but God. you have to browse it <laughs> because La Hora Marcada is something, um, it's it's something really good to to remember, especially if you are a big fan of uh, big figures up there uh, on writers and directors, uh, Mexican especially, yeah. you know. And if we're talking about Guillermo del Toro, he basically initiated his 
his life there, his filming uh, career, doing stuff in La Hora Marcada. So if you get the chance, I don't know, even the intro, I remember it scared the shit out of me when every time I see it and my mom, and my mom was like, already, yeah, vete a la cama que ya es tarde, no ya tienes que ir a dormir. Entonces, okay, like, but let me watch one. You're going to have pesadillas, so vete a dormir. Entonces, well, my it's, God. It's, it, it's kind of a good thing just to, to remember that Dope. not all directors started just as like the big figures and starts, stars that yeah, you we gotta know start somewhere, dude. Yeah. You start somewhere. So yeah. this is the, the their thing. And and I'm glad that Guillermo del Toro has um I don't know, stayed very, very loyal to what he likes. And totally. if it's fantasy and horror, you know, altogether, it's, he's gonna be there. Oh, and absolutely. it's gonna be absolutely beautiful and haunting know. and delightful. What a yeah. fucking yeah. guy! We love him. We listen here at Week Horror. You got Ooh. GDT. And we're here for you. We're bro. big fans. We don't. Yeah. We fans. fucking love your ass. Definitivamente es uno de nuestros mexicanos favoritos. Yes. Yes. After Ari Haggerty, fucking Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> well, how about we get into some questions? Yes, let's sí. ask some questions. All right. Eileen, were you scared? I had my moments. There were some jumps in there that mm -hmm. I fucking, when the yellow fever hands popped out and like that train <laughs> going by like i had i had some moments there that were pretty spooky so yeah, yeah i'm gonna say i was scared absolutely how about you addy look the first time that i watched it uh of course i was scared especially sure. when they are um in this room full of beds with kids dying oh, dude, and yeah. whatnot so well, Creepy. we were kids as well. And all of a sudden, as a kid, you're like, what the hell happened to them? I could be one of them. Yeah. So, yeah. of course, that made me shit my pants. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, this time it hit me differently. Uh, and like I told you before, I was more anxious about the, yeah. the how can they crawl into these gooey, muddy, dark spaces, touching things without Ugh. gloves or a mask even. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... It's it's kind of the learning that we have right now stuck with us after all the pandemic and whatnot, yeah. and by yeah. by using the mask and, but even even though if it if you had to crawl here to your crawl space in in the house, Ugh. will you go without protection? Of no, no, fucking no. Way. And you're always no, you're always gonna be like, oh, what's touching me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So yeah. yeah, it made me more anxious. Um, I had like uh, I have a couple of awful ticks when i'm when i'm nervous uh -huh. and i i tend to buy the skin mm -hmm. of my thumbs mm -hmm. because i have like a callus here mm -hmm. so i tend to bite it and bite it by well i destroyed both thumbs oh, no. while watching the movie again so, hilarious yeah. oh wow <laughs> what about you johnny were you scared Oh, absolutely. I was scared. I was grossed out. I jumped a bunch. I was creeped. There was definitely some voguing in fear. I was scared. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Back when I was a 12-year-old or 13-year-old and today, fucking pushing 40, I was scared. Eileen, nice. <laughs> what was your best scare? Honestly, it was the kid killing sequence, Oof, like killing them neat. kids. I was just like, what? I'm mostly shocked that it was happening, but yeah. I was like, particularly dientes when he goes mm. for dientes i was like oh bro dude oh, this is yeah. bad and yeah. then a fucking uh i'm gonna give a shout out to the yellow fever hands because when those hands popped up i was like oh. what the fuck is that fucking yeah. shit <laughs> so yellow fever hands too what about you adi 
my best scare, uh, definitely when you get to see the human-sized cockroach in the tunnel. Mm. When the bug lady is approaching to ask for the time, you know, like, hey, uh-huh. you know what time is it? <laughs> and then you get to see that it's one of the Judases and it's waiting there for her. Oof. That mm. That's the big scare yeah. for this movie. Yeah. yeah. And what about you, Johnny? For me, it was the face reveal when Susan puts the two Polaroids together, which I was like, oh, yeah. God, that's so creepy. But then that train going by, full jump. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was creep, Creepsville and then full jump at the same time. So that's going to take totally. it for me. Eileen, who was your favorite character? Officer Leonard, dude. <laughs> Officer fucking Leonard sure. got me good. Yeah. I was like, yeah, the singing. Dude. I love that the he singing. was kind of crabby in the beginning. And then he was just like, I'm singing a song. And I was like, yeah, dude. I love you. So Officer yeah. Leonard for me. Nice. How about you, Eddie? Uh, mine is uh, the entomologist, the bug lady for sure. Yeah, she's impressive. Uh, whomever goes that deep into the study of bugs mm. and <laughs> dares to merge a couple of DNAs to create something new, there's some some Frankenstein in her. So <laughs> I do appreciate that, Doctor Frankenstein. What about you, Johnny? Who is your fave? I actually have three. I I'm gonna oh. give it to Hatton the Enthus because I really liked the fact that these two boys are just like they're like, look, we're life is tough, but we're not. You know, they were good kids. They're just trying to find they bugs to sell kids. to a bug lady. You know, and that I mean, mm-hmm. I really like the those two mm-hmm. kids, and I also give it to Officer Leonard because you know yeah. this dude sacrificed <laughs> himself in the end. I was like, wow, he did. And also, Officer Leonard wasn't a fan of Peter, so I was like, hmm, I kind of like that he 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 didn't like Peter because I was like, I'm not feeling Peter either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> Officer Leonard knew what was up. Yeah, he knew. He knew what was up. All right, um, Eileen, what was your best line? Must have been a big elephant ass motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. When yeah. he said that fucking line, I truly like when I tell you I cackled. I was like, yeah. "Bro, hell yeah." And it, and he was right. Like yeah. that thing was huge he and was it was shitting ass... huge shit. So yeah. it's a yeah. big elephant ass motherfucker. <laughs> what about you, Addy? Uh, my favorite line is they mimic us. We mimic them. Oh, when they were putting the goop all over them. The goop all around you. It's a survival mechanism. So this is, what is it about? Life is about survival. I mean, thesis statement of our movie. I was gonna say thesis statement of our movie. Yeah. They mimic us. We mimic them. Yeah. What about you, Johnny? What's your favorite line? I've got two. And listen, I I wish that was I wish I could pick something like with weight, like the one that Adi just picked. But my two favorite lines were, first of all, hat saying, whatever peels your banana, lady. (laughs) And and then Norman Reedus going, it's a lobster, right? Which I was like, oh, you stupid, stupid man. Okay, (laughs) Eileen, what was your best death? For me, it was the Pennywising of the priest in the beginning, like just his body getting slammed back and forth in the sewer grate. And now knowing what Adi told us that that priest was a piece of shit even more. So I'm going to give it to the priest in the beginning. Nice. Nice. Adi. Yeah. I'm going to have to say the same. I'm with Eileen. Del Padre. La Muerte del Padre was the best. Dang, bro. Yeah. And and look, also it was stupid because you're running away like 
to save your ass from that thing that is chasing at you and then all of a sudden you fall to your own death. It's like yeah. how dumb you can be to do that. But then it, when he gets all squished in in the sewer, that's ugh. like, hell yeah. yeah. That's the that's <laughs> death. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> Crush totally. that yeah. body. Oh, Jonathan. My favorite was Josh. I loved that splatter of blood. That I, mm -hmm. I'm telling you, that disturbed me because, again, <laughs> I, we don't see it, but I was like, whatever that bug did to that man under there is fucked. Oh, yeah. He fucked him up. And also, yeah. like, I remember, oh, yeah. like I said, that really, really scared me as a kid. So it's gonna take it today, Josh, and that horrible splatter of bug, uh, of blood, of bug, mm -hmm. <laughs> a bug, of bug. Um, Eileen, <laughs> did you learn anything about the culture? Well, I learned that you don't fuck with DNA if you don't know what the fuck you're doing. If mm -hmm. you're not absolutely fucking sure, don't fuck with DNA. I mean, come Which, on. Which honestly, I already kind of knew, but other than that, not really. Nah. Yeah, yeah. Adi? I did learn something, and, it, and that's it. Don't mess with cockroaches or <laughs> bugs because they will retaliate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those yes. motherfuckers will will form a union and tell you what's uh. what. <laughs> <laughs> I've got yeah. the creeps right now. I'm like, I feel like something's gonna run over my feet right now. Um, <laughs> about the culture, no, but I did learn a little bit about like termite colonies and things like that. Sure, it doesn't has has nothing to do with the the culture. But sure, I, I learned right. a little bit about bugs. And sure. finally, Eileen, how many ooies out of five are you going to give this movie? I give this movie three ooze just Great. because I um I I've seen the the wonder of GDT mm -hmm. and it's such a shame that it's been it was snatched away from him. Mm -hmm. So uh you know the CGI is old CGI and that kind of like is a bummer but for the most part I'm here for it, dude. It was a, a a a goofy time. Is it mediocre? Sure, but that's not GDT's fault. That's the mm -hmm. Weinstein's being yeah. dick. So three mm -hmm. three ooze from me. Great. How about you, Addy? I think I'm gonna go a little bit higher than that. Four and a half. I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna hey! give it to you know why? Hey! Guillermo del Toro deserves more recognition after learning how the Weinsteins chopped in pieces this uh story and mm -hmm. how uh burly they fired him because they didn't want it to follow his ideals. Um yeah. it deserves more to be recognized, like the labor he did and mm. how he worked. You know, and I bet it was a hard labor, you know, with with writers, producers, mm -hmm. editors, yeah. actors, uh, even, you know, like all the people involved in, in that film back in, in the mid 90s. But it wasn't easy. You know, it wasn't it wasn't an, an easy era just to get all the CGI or get all the technology that we have nowadays to create a horror movie, probably with a low budget. Mm. Uh, but even the, the story, it's it's relevant. It's really good. Um, yeah, it brings a different mood to whatever we are like seeing nowadays in in the horror genre and even if it's a, a very old movie it's it's super fun to watch it's again fun. and and yeah i don't know like even just to remind us like the early days of guillermo del toro yeah. or whatever he was doing uh working with big big corporate minds in in hollywood yeah. and whatnot so i think i'm gonna give him a four and a half so, I love that. What about you, it. Johnny? How many ooze do you give Mimic? I give this movie three and a half ooze 
I love this movie. It, <laughs> it, I mean, a, a lot of that is for the nostalgia factor here because I, you know, mm-hmm. because I loved this movie so much as a kid. Uh, watching it now, like I get, I see the faults, but you know, I do believe that that is the Weinstein's fault that this thing was just snipped to pieces. Yeah. But I really, really love it. It, it. It's a fun movie. It's got some cool bug stuff going on, some cool kills. I love this movie. So three and a half always for me, for sure. Well, guys, let's get the fuck out of this sewer because, Oop. man, this bug stinks a lot. There's poop <laughs> everywhere. I'm tired of it. Um, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, we appreciate all of you listening to our very first episode with a guest. Thank you, Adi, Yay! for being you, Adi. a wonderful, sweet, lovely human. You can follow Adi on Twitter at Mountains, which is a great twitter name like no no one in the the world has at mountains so follow her for (laughs) wonderful cool pictures of her dog and sentiments about metal and rock and cool things uh (laughs) and also you can follow her on insta at adi mountains and that that's where you'll really get fun beautiful pictures of paisajes and her puppy and it's very fun your puppy oh my god (laughs) my god kobe i can't (laughs) handle how fucking cute he is i know right now he's just like whining behind the door like hey what are you doing there just let me in we're almost done we're almost done (laughs) thank you for having me here thank you for the invite i love to be with you guys i love the podcast i love that you're pushing forward the latino culture with horror movies and making them go out you know um they can be very uh underrated they they can be um like they're in the dark, but then all of a sudden, if you have like a couple of brilliant minds talking about them and just reviewing them and making the imagine imagination flows just by listening to both of you narrating what's the movie about, it makes it great and it brings more to our culture mm. in general. Mm-hmm. Because basically, I mean, me as a Latina living in the United States, we need uh, sometimes a little bit of of that. You know, yes. it, it's it's. You, you need you need a push, a little push just to remind you from where you're coming from and mm-hmm. what amazing things your own culture has. So thank you both for doing this. It's pretty amazing. Keep doing it. And thank you again for inviting me. Oh, you oh. sweet baby. We love you so much. Thank you. Thank you for, for coming on the show. We we really appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate it. We love you. We love, to, we love to hang with you, talk with you. It's the fucking best, my guy. Yeah, likewise, <laughs> likewise. I love you both. Thank you. <laughs> well, everybody, make sure and follow us on our redes sociales at Uyquiorror on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you to Sonoro for being our lovely sewage pipe. We appreciate you. <laughs> for holding our nest of eggs uh you can follow them at sonoro podcast on twitter and instagram as well and um listen adi you're involved in this too so the two of you i um i fucking love you guys very much i fucking love you too i love you adi i love you both (laughs) i love you elena and johnny love you and we'll see you guys in la próxima semana adios adios Uy, qué horror es una producción de Sonoro. Produced by Jonathan Atkinson and Eileen Clark. Edición y mezcla, Karina Riverol. Escuche Uy, qué horror en cualquier plataforma donde escuchen podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Adiós. Adiós.